What ho! Welcome to the Triple Takeover Toycast, a fortnightly podcast dedicated to the Transformers as well as other toy lines from the past. For episode 35, we sweep the broken pieces of MP9 under the rug and launch ourselves <laughs> into the bull. <laughs> <laughs> Here apt. we are. <laughs> Very apt. Yes, as I was saying, for episode 35, we sweep the broken pieces of MP9 under the rug and launch ourselves into the bold new era that posed the famous question, what if a toy line was designed purely for the toys to hold hands with each other? This week, we are going back to Masterpiece, but this time, it's the Hasui years. As always, I am joined by writer, photographer, and our very own Lawrence of Scandinavia. It's Maz, aka TF Square One. Next. Lawrence of Scandinavia. That's you, isn't it? You're on your little adventures. The Nordic meat shield, I am not. Oh my god. <laughs> That's your Transformers name. <laughs> Pretender meat shield. That's my Friday night name. <laughs> Next, we have writer, photographer, YouTube, and a man who owns more masterpieces than the Louvre. It's MPO60. Guilty as charged. I see you sneaking the O in there. You're getting quite a little cult following with this now. It's really starting to uh, to gripe on me quite a bit how many people are being converted over to this alternative reality where O is part of the numbering. Uh, I've, I've noticed more and more people are like, yeah, yeah, it's definitely that. It's, no, it's not. We, we all say things differently. We have local dialects, don't we? You know, people... It's not a question of local dialect. It's a question of what's printed on the box. It's a choice, Sixer. That's what it is. You know, language <laughs> change and it evolves. Man, a choice to acknowledge reality or forge your own, I suppose. Just just rewinding a little bit. Did you notice when he introduced you, he goes, right of photographer, YouTube. He didn't say YouTuber. He just said YouTube. Sixo is YouTube. He's just I the am entire medium. YouTube. That's it. You go on YouTube and it's just me. Wall to wall me. That's it. That is my subscription feed when I look on it. It's just you. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't even bloody recorded a video in a little while. So it has that Meg Tirano video coming. Oh, it's fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. I'm the only one that's seen it, but uh, it's really good what, what's been shot of it. So, but I do have a new video on the way. So, working on it. That's like when I say I've got a new article in the pipeline. <laughs> right, exactly. I remember mean, last year. <laughs> you know, the best things come to those who wait and uh, and all of that kind of stuff. So, And obviously, I'm Toybox Soapbox, or as my dog's vets calls me, Liam. There's a long way to introduce myself there. I was like, we've got to get back there. It's been ages since you've done this, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been ages since we have done this. Yeah. It has been a little while, yeah. Uh, I think the uh, it was because Maz Maz was off on his jollies, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, that has been the whole thing. So we had a little bit of a, a break in recording whilst Maz was, uh, uh, well, getting out of the frozen Arctic, I guess. You also had to relocate the entire toy line up north, so we had to wait for that too. <laughs> that has no, been that, that had been done. That had been done the last time we recorded. I had moved already. So That's right, you had. Yeah, don't be blaming it on me, boy. Uh, okay, so is MP Skywalk there as well? Uh, no. um, <laughs> he's not, but uh, yeah, he's he's being delivered any day now. And hot so, tub soapbox, you know, he, he yeah. had things to do too, didn't he? I've, spent, I've been having a great time these last few weeks, just nice evenings in the hot tub, except for last week where I gave myself heat stroke because it was like 35 degrees outside and I decided to get in it. My oh, God, nice. is south facing as well, so it's like being, you know, under someone's giant microscope or little, you know, magnifying glass when they shine the sun on ants. Very mean children. Yeah, it's it's all all told a bit of a warm one at the moment, isn't it? We're right in the middle of a heat wave uh, in in the old UK currently, and uh, mm. I don't know. There's I see so much stuff about it online about 
oh, how warm is it really? And all of that. But I think it's more the fact that we're just not geared up for it, isn't it? It's like, yes, it's hotter elsewhere in the world, or it can be. But it's it's more the fact that like our buildings and everything, we're just not not prepared. Yeah. You, can, you can tell that this country is not designed for it. Because if you're going to be encuted by a thermometer, it only goes up to 25. It doesn't go past that. They've, they've never <laughs> that had to true. before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's becoming a yearly thing now, though, isn't it? But yeah, it's fair to say it is roasting here at the moment. I am absolutely baking tonight. Can't even tell you. It's rare that I'm grateful for the weather here. But I was in the UK yesterday, and I'm very glad that that was the day we had escaped from it because it's just mild here today, grey, and I've never been more thankful for it. Are you in, like, Britain, like, pre-2015, before global warming took effect here? That's what Britain was all the time, was it? Just grey. I was told a story recently by my brother. Um, when my dad came to to the UK from Iran originally, he came nine months ahead of the rest of us. Then he came back, and uh, my brother asked him, why are you sitting out in the sun every day? when he came back to Iran and my dad said don't worry about it and then they moved to the UK and my dad said to my brother now do you see why I was sitting out in the sun every day and I go to the UK now to get sun so I've (laughs) almost gone one step further like you said exactly pre-2010 or something when the UK was mocked for terrible weather but I tell you what it's just felt like a summer holiday even when I was back there in April I hope you left like you know the classic 80s stereotype British tourist where you've come back from abroad with like a bad suntan like a straw donkey novelty out on all of that like a proper dull boy abroad or something I don't do bad suntans (laughs) that's right we and you aren't designed for suntans I do bad suntans. My wife always jokes that I look like a tube of toothpaste, honestly, like Colgate or whatever. So I go, I go very red minty in parts. Yeah, right, yeah, I wish. I go very red in parts and completely white in others, honestly. You're, it's not a good MP look. MP Artfire. Right, I very much am. I am MP Artfire after a, after a dose of sun. I can just never get the balance right, honestly. I'm like, at the start, I'm all like factor 50, you know, I'll, I'll play it safe. And then after a day or two, I'm like, okay, I'll take it down a notch. And then I get burnt. Honestly, it's just absolutely ridiculous. That's it now. Old aqua fresho over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Shouldn't have admitted to that. But guys, uh, that's something we should talk about, I think, because it's coming up very soon. You know, going to be at TF Nation doing a panel. We are, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely jazzed for it mate i can't do you know, it suddenly occurred to me today that it's only just over one month until tfn i actually mm-hmm. can't believe it i had in my head still that it's because uh, with the move and everything it's all gone so quick that it just still felt like june uh, and when i kind of realized that not only is it yes july but actually quite far through july i mean i did know but you know when you kind of mm-hmm. suddenly realize oh bloody hell where's all that time gone but yeah it's only one month till till tfn pretty crazy We should probably figure out what we're doing, shouldn't we? We really should, yes, absolutely. (laughs) We will need to do that. Will we be able to get there? Because apparently, according to the news, all the roads will have melted by then. There'll be nothing left of Britain but a puddle. (laughs) Uh, We should be re... You you two are getting a lift with me, aren't you? I think that's the plan. I'm swimming over to yours. (laughs) Right, okay, absolutely. Bring your hot tub with you, that'll be nice. (laughs) Put it on wheels. There you go. I'll tell you behind me. Oh, there we go. We could do the show on the stage in a hot tub. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, let's talk about that. Triple take yeah. over from oh, the Oh, let's talk about the show, not the part where we're getting towed behind you in a truck in his hot tub. <laughs> this, this, that's fine. I can stick two skateboards on the bottom. You know, Skitching. You know, we used to hang on the back of cars with skateboards. Yes. No, I don't think I've ever done that. I've got to tell I'll, you. I'll but... be putting in the uh, tumbleweed sound there. <laughs> <laughs> right there. I've still got it from the last time we made a joke. 
There was a. Do you not remember the video game? There was a video game of it as well. Called I think it was called Skitchin. You basically just grabbed onto the back of cars. Actually, I was dead pleased when you posted that uh, picture of your PS One the other day. You, you found like the memory card, and I was like, right. I was in my bed, my old bedroom as well. And I just pulled that box out with all the old PS One gear, and I was like, finally, a use <sighs> for this. I love that. Do you want the memory card? You can tell me. What's no, on I it. just I had a sealed one. <laughs> I love when you showed me that because I realized I had the the same clear blue one, but just a different shade of blue. Because you remember that was like all the rage at the time. Yes, absolutely. When, when it was new. <laughs> And clear joy pads, do you remember? They were really yeah. fancy too. Right, enough about your clear joy pads. This is when you finally let me do the video game episode. We do uh, the Beast Wars video game on the PlayStation 1. I, I, I do remember, actually. I did play the Beast Wars video game on PC, I think it was. Really? Uh, yeah, that one. Was it on PC? I can't even remember. It was, it was very bad. It was bad. Uh, I'm not an expert on video games by any stretch of the imagination, but I can... Pretty confidently say that was not a good one. It's a terrible game. Don't play that. There's a fighting one on the N64 as well, like a Beast Wars, Transmetals or whatever. But yes, yeah, <laughs> enough, enough video games. Do they, do, they, do they just flake chrome and then break at the waist or something? Is that too too soon, dude? Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> too soon. Honestly, if you're going to come around to my gaff and break my toys, don't then joke about it on the podcast. Oh, I wonder what I could break when we're over there just before TF Nation. You're going to not touch anything. That's, <laughs> that's what you can do. You can look, but not touch. Oi, 6 pass us that Scorponok repaint. Yeah, oh yeah, you could keep your mitts off that, I can tell you. So. I, I was a bit disappointed, Maz, that while you were here, there was no breaking news of you breaking stuff. I had plenty of opportunities as well. I, I had, saw uh, you with the Shuki and I thought, when yeah, said, it's all clear plastic, I was like, here we go. This in a dark pub. <laughs> in a dark pub after a few drinks. And also, um, Energon Galvatron, the leader class one. Ooh. I don't think that thing can be broken, though. That's pretty durable. That is like a tank, isn't it? But enough about breaking stuff. As ever, we are sponsored, are we not, Sixo? We are indeed by TF Source. Thank you very much to them for sponsoring the pod. You can check them out at tfsource.com for all your Transformers and third-party needs. And as ever, we'll do a little slot about them in the middle of the pod. Then there's Patreon, patreon.com forward slash triple takeover, which you can check out if you'd like extra content beyond just the episodes we offer, especially Sixo's butlers who get exclusive minisodes that they can commission and then listen to, as well as listening to episodes such as this early. Vote on episode polls. Just say thanks to us. And just get involved. Our most recent episode was the MicroMasters one, wasn't it? Or the Miniso, should I say? Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. MicroMaster bases, wasn't it? And so, stations. And stations. <laughs> and stations. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. It was great fun to record. I think it was the uh, best one yet. Ooh, I always say that, though. I always say it's mm. the best one. And um, I, I realize I'm sort of becoming a parody of myself because every time we launch a new episode or whatever, I'm like, this is the best one yet. And if I just consult my fun facts over here... We also have a Red Bubble store, don't we? High tech to- toy box soapbox there. Yeah. Did it in Morse code? <laughs> yeah, you've got it on that old printer paper with the terrible holes on the side, haven't <laughs> you? <laughs> it's written in you know, that like, uh, math paper you used to get, like a little grid yeah. paper. Carved out by the old turtle on the floor with the BBC computer that you'd punch in the command. It's just it's like a really crap Roomba, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a Simon Says, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, if you'd like to buy a triple takeover merchandise, sadly we don't have uh, file faxes yet, but maybe someday in the future, <laughs> branded. Or bum bags. Oh, bum bags. Bum bags. That would be essential TFN wear, wouldn't it? Yeah. Snap bands, remember them? Oh, yes. Yeah, I used to have a really like luminous one that was going to save me from getting run over. They only ever came in luminous, I'm sure. <laughs> 
Not anymore, mate. Not anymore. No, no, no. They come in all kinds now. Seven uh, O has an Iron Man one, believe it or not. Ah. But uh, yes, if you would like to buy the legendary leggings that we have on there, you know, we've got T-shirts, all sorts of stuff. Go to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash triple takeover forward slash explore. And with that out of the way, uh, I just wanted to switch to a slightly serious tone and uh, pay my respects to a Transformers collector and friend who passed away a couple of weeks ago. So Galen Stevenson was a US collector, a long-time collector, one of those who probably never stopped collecting. And he's someone that I have that I had known for pretty much two decades and had traded with and spoken with and had the pleasure of meeting at BotCon a couple of times. I was really sad to hear a couple of weeks ago that he passed away. So I just wanted to say a big thanks to him for being an, uh, an amazing guy, uh, someone who was trustworthy, reliable. He actually made so many significant contributions to articles I'd written down the years, but he'd always chosen to remain anonymous, but he was always, always willing to support the work that I did. So he's contributed a lot to the knowledge and the fandom and a lot of photos that I still see come up of stuff that only he owns. He never wanted credit for it, but I always wanted to do a collector interview with him, but he, he wasn't interested in that. But he had an amazing collection, like absolutely wonderful collection. And it makes me so happy to know that so much of what I owned that was almost unique or just hugely rare ended up in the hands of someone who really appreciated it. And uh, Galen, you will be sorely missed. And I wish you all the best and I'll see you again one day. Till all are one! Till all are one! So before we get to the Hisui era of Masterpiece, it is worth just covering what came before. We have done an episode on this, which if I was even more prepared than this, I would know what number it was and be able to direct you to 12. it. 12, there we go. I knew you would have was it 12? Gosh, mm-hmm. it was quite a comparatively early one, I guess, then. Yeah. It doesn't feel that long ago, but I think it's because every time we discuss what episodes to do next, has, the Hasui years always comes up, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. This, one's, oh, yeah push that back. this one's been on the on the cards for a little while, actually. I think yeah. since pretty much since episode 12, we've been talking about like when are we going to do the follow-up and all of that and... Just the time felt like it was right now, didn't it? This is such a weird era of Transformers because it's not that long ago. It isn't. So I don't feel nostalgic for the toys yet. Uh, But it was such a significant era that it's one of those that if we were doing this episode in five years' time, we'd be immediately on eBay going, right, I need to get me some MP12 or or something like that. But it just doesn't feel like enough time has passed the the same feelings will be there as were with the early masterpiece where I'm still looking for MP1s and MP4s now. I think as well, mm. like because I think there's an element of that, and we'll get into this later, I'm sure, but there's an element of the prevalence of those toys. Like they've hung around a lot more, they've been repainted, redecoed, and they're still very much in photos a lot and they they appear a lot more online and stuff like that. Whereas if you go back to the original masterpiece line, it's nine. It is literally nine, isn't it? Hmm. you know mp1 to 9 it's not like these other ones where they're a little mp12g or stuff like that it is generally just the nine and then but this was over such a much longer period where it, it felt very different to if you go to the Sui era it's, it's like three years it's so short but there's so many toys so it's easy to feel like i don't know almost like you've been there's a deluge of them but with these original nine it's they feel more special don't they yeah it's a different line almost yeah yeah, it, it is very much a different line. I mean, there's there's definitely a sort of merging of of the the sort of barriers between the two somewhere, which I'm sure we'll kind of cover as well. But yeah, it really is a different line. I think that you hit it on the head there, Liam, when you said that a lot of these molds have kind of hung around. I mean, like MP 
13 is a is a good example actually with Soundwave because it's still the current masterpiece yeah. Soundwave, isn't it? It hasn't actually been redone, and it's still a great mold. I mean, actually, it's funny because I tend to think of toys like Soundwave as still being the kind of definitive look of that character, yeah. but it's only with like the recent fans toys or acoustic wave what was it called robot paradise uh you know with their recent attempt that was more cartoony in style that you see how things have now moved on that's the one one. (laughs) (laughs) i think you've just made a really good point there when you said when you said that you still think of the current masterpiece as the current masterpiece Soundwave. Mm. but when we go back to these nine we didn't think of them as the current or they were just each toy in those original nine is very much their own toy, isn't it? They're not in yeah, yeah, with each yeah. other. They're even even... Rodimus, even Rodimus, which hasn't been redone, actually. Mind you, neither is Grimlock, but they're but they're seen as outdated in some way. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They're seen as like in the past. Whereas I think anything even MP ten sort of uh in a way doesn't feel that long ago to people, I think. Well, you're yeah. still getting shoe repaints of it, aren't you? <laughs> I, I wish, I hope, because honestly, I love those things. Like, I would totally be down for more as well. It's funny because I used to get tagged all the time when they were doing those new unveils of new MP10s, uh, you know, duck camo and things like that, and elephant camo. And every time people would be like, elephant oh, camo? Yeah, yeah, there's one called elephant camo. Yeah, an Atmos Safari elephant the camo. No, um, it's, it's multicolored. They're all crazy colors. But what's funny is that people would tag me and go, oh, I, I feel bad for 6 because you know, now there's a new MP10. I'm like, why are you feeling bad for me? I'm I'm well up for it. Do you know what I mean? I'm like dead excited. Like, you know, but yeah, I would, I hope that they do the rest of them uh, that they haven't veiled, but uh, it's, it remains to be seen. I, d- I just love this idea of elephant camo. Like what's this really specific thing that, you know, blind elephants, they can't see it. Oh, I don't recognize you. Like, <laughs> you dress up like Mowgli from the jungle book or something like that. Just... Right. Well, maybe it's like an Elmer thing. If you've ever read yeah. Elmer, um, Maz, have you ever read that with your, either of your kids? No, you're not coming across. Oh, that yes, one. he's the elephant that was going to the fancy dress party, end up going as himself. Yes, exactly. He's yeah. kind of yeah. He's a patchwork elephant. That's but it. He he, oh, he colors a normal in, elephant. That's it. Yes. He, yeah, he colors himself in grey to kind of fit in, but then realizes that it's boring. And then they have a festival of the elephants where all the ele- elephants have to to get you know done up in multicolors and he has to go gray so anyway there you go that's yeah. that's the whole thing about bring, it bring so. back baba that's what i'm saying on that that's but, that's a regular thing yeah. in our house too but there's, there's... And, and and baba is linked to transformers because the people who animated it did the artwork and the story for the juice to die clone comic it all syncs up there, there you, you go, go. you see it? it all works it's all connected so string theory that's what it is but like those original nine toys though other than the name masterpiece they're not like a a scaled line are they they are very much an individual toys right so the it all kind of began with mp well in theory with mp10 but what's interesting is that actually technically it starts with mp9 and i think we we maybe did mention this last time as well but a lot of people will talk about how the scale uh the whole scale thing the holy scale chart uh, Liam, don't get too angry. Uh, <laughs> it all started with MP10. But actually, of course, MP10 was designed to fit with MP9. Which is where the handshake was born. Right. And that was where the handshake was born. It very much was. So actually, it's MP9 that started it all. And you could there is an argument, I think, to make that MP9 is still relevant in the Hasui era as well. And I think that's what I kind of mean when I say that there's a bit of blurring of 
uh, of that distinction. And, you know, I've still got MP9 in my collection now. As far as I'm concerned, it's still the definitive masterpiece, Rodimus. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about Hot Rod. I love the design of Hot Rod, but in terms of scale, it's Rodimus. Um, but it still works exceptionally well. MP10 then feels more like, I don't know, to me, it feels more like a reaction to MP9, you know, rather than MP9 being the starting point, the jumping off point from it. If, as I think that, is that not where Hasui, he looked at it, didn't he, and said he wanted an Optimus that scales with MP9. So I suppose it is, but yeah, maybe that's... I think the thing that really struck me about MP10 is how it felt like an action figure. Yeah. And it looked like an action figure too, whereas mm. it, it didn't, it, it begged to be played with as well in yeah. many, many ways. I'm almost more in favor of the proportions that that toy has in robot mode for Optimus Prime than the latest MP44 Convoy. I really think MP10 had an amazing look and I can't forget my reaction to it when I first saw it in hand. And also in truck mode, it was probably the best representation of Prime as a truck at that sort of scale that, yeah. that we've uh, had. The, the truck mode was... It, it was and is, I think, still exceptional. I mean, it's fair to say, as much as I do love MP1, Liam, just Who? just one. I don't, I don't know which one that is, sorry. Right, sure. As much as I do love that toy, uh, the first Masterpiece release, it's fair to say the truck mode is... It's got its compromises, doesn't it? Whereas actually MP10 is pretty awesome, even, even now. I'm still living off the trailer. Right, yeah, yeah. But this is where the MP line is really born from, isn't it? Is... The idea that Hasui had where it's the cartoon style robots, those kind of influences, but with real world vehicles, which mm. is in some ways it's fun. Like when you think about like just to quickly go back to the original MP line, it's like we talked about it a lot in the Binotech episode, isn't it? And the Masterpiece episode that those two toys were always pictured together often as a mm. compatible line. It's a really different idea where once we get to this point with MP9 and MP10, where it comes from specifically trying to make two toys work together. And then the line springs from there, doesn't it? Because it's then all the new toys are scaled specifically. And there's a different ethos there, which is that the toys are to work together, like to display yeah. together and incompat, you know, all to, you know, it's it's a line rather than masterpiece where they're all like Grimlock is just a normal sized toy. They're all, it's very individual toys with the focus on the individual toy. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, in some ways, Grimlock is the real, is the real oddity of that, of those early years, because it doesn't scale with anything really do you know i mean it's sort of yeah. so so tiny actually comparatively to anything else but yeah you can sort of see that it sort of starts with rodimus but then it was hasui that took this idea of a scaled line it was essentially what you had with mp1 and then vinyl tech it sort of working in tandem where you've got uh you know licensed vehicles uh with the autobot cast all represented and a convoy to go with them but it took this i this this also this idea and kind of laid it over it of firstly having what Hasui sort of refers to as like the perfect representation of each of these characters yeah. and so it's not so much cartoon in style or I think most would would agree that the cartoon was clearly the biggest influence on a lot of what they were going for um but then uh, also blending in elements of the original toys you know from the 80s and comics as well um, but then, as I say, these licensed vehicles. And I think that was really the kind of change in direction from that point. Yeah. Um, because it, if anything, actually, MP9, you could make an argument, is more cartoon accurate than a lot of the stuff that immediately followed it. It's yeah. more accurate than to the cartoon than MP10, for yeah, example. It's got more of a cartoon aesthetic in the way it's colored. I mean, look how they later yeah. on in the era of Masterpiece went back to that almost like white paint on the face instead of 
silver metallic robotic, but they kind of try to re uh, recreate that cartoon cell look that I think MP9 actually does really, really nicely. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree with you. And I think that's in some ways why I still maintain that MP9 stands the test of time. You know, breakages and all of that kind of stuff aside, the actual design, I think, still holds up today. Mm-hmm. And you can stick it next to MP44 Convoy, and it still looks great, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, in terms of looks, definitely. But it, it's funny how you go from that toy that is such a, like we talked about before, like the engineering and stuff, like the example of these amount of, work that went into it, how complicated it is, fragile, but also like how inventive, just complex, isn't it? It's really interesting toy to mess with. But then you move into mm. this new era of masterpiece and the toys, they don't get simpler, but, but they become more more intuitive to mess with. Like if you pick up those Datsuns, you can tell, as Sui said this himself, didn't he, that they take elements from the original original toys, like transformation stuff. And you can really feel that because you can yeah. pick those cars up and transform. There's, they're not straightforward and simple, but they're not difficult either. It's completely different. Like I think Maz hit on it earlier where he said it's more toy-like, and you, you really feel like that with those toys, I think. Yeah, I remember they, when they when they released Lambor Sideswipe, they, there was a lot of chatter about the fact that they were... Um, that was In some ways, that's the, another watershed. As much as MP10 is a watershed, Lambor is a real watershed as well. Because Plastic wheels on a masterpiece as right, well. Right, exactly. Like, t- very simple compared to a lot of what had gone before. And that is very... Uh, toyetic i guess in the way that it feels it feels like a real pick up and play toy i mean if anything now where we're at with generations the the toys like the the war for cybertron sideswipe and things like that feel sort of very much like they're kind of fr- taken from that hasui era don't yeah. they and it's it's so interesting well, it's to see he works how on them now doesn't he he does well them. he does yeah yeah <laughs> but it's so interesting to see how generations has, has evolved from that point of, mm. of what we had in yeah. in masterpiece so many years prior but you can really see it and, and still to this day i find the lambor mold i mean i own many different versions of it for me it's a real pick up and play almost like the ideal level of complexity to that toy i can do it blindfold i think by yeah. this point but it's uh, it's a real fiddle former for me i love it but that was yeah. almost in my opinion an evolution of masterpiece not it didn't have to be epically difficult and complex it just had to accomplish a certain number of things look dynamic look accurate have an amazing vehicle mode be high end and if it happened to also be excellent to transform and clever, I mean, I remember talking about masterpiece moments, which started to really be mm. a thing in these toys in the Hasui era, because each one of them had something that just had a little bit of magic in a step that set it apart from everything else that had gone before and everything else that was going on. There was just every single one of them had something that was, oh, wow, that's super clever. And, and they started around this era. I think in some ways... I, I know when the Hasui era kind of came to a close and then new toys started to come in, you know, with new designers, Kobayashi being the, the obvious one, that a lot of people compared the transformations and said, oh, he's, you know, they're suddenly that much more complicated, you know, or whatever. And like Sunstreaker is often one that people talk about as a as a big example, you know, MP39. But I think in some ways, actually, Hasui maybe purposely I don't want to say he chose all the easy ones, but he definitely like he chose the the characters, the car bots anyway, that were more straightforward. Like Lambo, you could argue, you know, and the Datsuns, they can crib a lot off their original toys mm-hmm. uh, quite clearly. Whereas something like Sunstreaker, because of the difference between the animation model 
and the original toy, you know, you're going to have more complexity there, naturally, I would argue. So I think I, I think in some ways, yes, uh, and that's not me taking anything away from the Hesui era, because I think it's incredible, amazing toys. But I think as well, that there's some of the sort of simpler, more straightforward designs to, to begin with. Do you think that's fair? I think yeah. it might have just been a brand pillar of the line at that time was to make sure that they could be transformed in a certain way within a certain timescale before then it went super accurate and hyper complex. So instead of like picking, yeah, I guess naturally there are toys that would have lent themselves more to this sort of design philosophy than everything that came afterwards. I guess um, you could look at Bumblebee as a good example of that too, because you've got Bumblebee in both eras now. You look at the Hasui era Bumblebee, and I see that as the absolute pinnacle of fiddle former meets masterpiece. And it was an incredible joy to transform that toy. And yeah, you put it next to the more modern Bumblebee, and it's really clear which one doesn't do screen accuracy as well. But I would still rather take MP21 and transform that. That whole folding over diagonally of the belly flap it was insane the first time i did it. i was like yeah. wow that's super clever and it's a toy that just was so enjoyable to transform i felt like forgiving it every inaccuracy that it had i still love that toy i still love transforming it and as someone that owns mp45 as well the, bump, the second bumblebee mm-hmm. you know i'm not a big fan actually uh, obviously cliff jumper is supposedly on the way so we'll see how that fares but i've had Generally, I would say a pretty rubbish time with with MP45. I would count it as one of my least favorite masterpieces, mm-hmm. um, next to to stuff like you know, kind of MP5 from the original era. Actually, yeah. although in a funny way, MP5 is sort of I don't know. I, I suppose because it's so goofy and the whole thing about the ten days design lead, right. lead time and all of that kind of almost has its element of charm to it as well whereas mp45 just sucks basically mm. i don't say that very lightly of toys as many people will know but it it's it's a bit charmless actually uh, in my opinion so yeah but with, with that it's like hound isn't it i think there's they're so beholden to doing a very specific thing with it that they have to go it all in so you end up with these very overly complicated toys that aren't as fun and they, they do end up being a bit more fragile and stuff like that Whereas these, they are leaning a bit more towards being toys, doesn't it? And yeah. who, as he said at the time, is he did have a very specific character selection. So it could be that that's possibly what it was, that he was picking, you know, quite simple ones. But he did say it's very much designed to be that kind of, with influences from toy trash, all stuff like that. So yeah. it is to pick up and still play with and convert. But that's so clear in those in those car bots compared to the ones you do now. Like the engineering on uh, MP, is it 44, Optimus Prime? Yeah. is fantastic like like it's so exciting to look at but actually handling it and moving it it's it's not something that you you would i don't think and that i didn't enjoy like after being wowed by initially watching it and then having to do it myself once and like oh my god it's just too much it's you know on the subject of being beholden we're saying that post hasui era the toys are beholden to a certain level of, ac- level of accuracy that then leads yeah. them down this complexity path i mean there are collectors who don't view the Hasui era as favorably as maybe the three of us do. Because in a way, this era was beholden to what you've just been describing as being a pick-up-and-play transformer. So that automatically rules out the level of accuracy that a large number of people want from Masterpiece, which is obviously why some people started veering towards third-party Masterpiece even at that time when suddenly all of these 
B-list characters. I mean, can you imagine launching an era of Transformers with Sideswipe at that time wasn't wasn't done? I mean, because yeah. Biontech launched with Smokescreen, and that was like a whole design philosophy, and they were knocking out characters of car bots. And then these guys started doing the same, and they started with Lambo. I mean, yes, it kind of started with, like you say, Rodimus and Convoy. But then this was almost the theme for a while. I mean, think about how many car bots we got. That was easily the biggest element of release on a more regular cadence than things like a leader 100%. or something else. So yeah, they were beholden to their own philosophy too, which excluded another certain group of collectors. No, I think you're absolutely exactly. right there. I think you've hit on something because yeah, I mean, there are people that um, that now think that actually a number of the Hasui era bots look a little bit outdated. I've heard, and I, to some extent, I can see what people are saying. I mean, we mentioned Soundwave earlier, and I, I will always say that I think Soundwave is an amazing toy, but aesthetically. I can see if people are moving towards this era of kind of more cartoon accuracy or what have you, um, you know, I, I can see why people maybe think that that's not what they're after. You know, it does look more from a certain time, if that makes sense. Um, and it's actually not um, technically a, a Hasui uh, release, I suppose you could say, but, uh, you know, uh, um, old MP12 Starscream. um you know, uh, sorry, 11. Yeah, you're right in that 12 is uh, Lambo. Uh, old MP11 Starscream. Uh, I would hate to say it, but it's kind of aged like milk almost. That <laughs> toy a little bit. Like it's, uh, I don't know, that feels very of its era, um, actually. And I think was was due an update. Um, that's not to say that MP52 is going to be to everybody's tastes, uh, you know, because of course, clearly the new Seeker Mold, you know, is, is sort of plays into that more complex kind of animation style. Um, but I do think that MP11, uh, if you look at it now, uh, it doesn't even have ankle tilt or things like that. You know, it does feel like a sort of slightly dated prospect in some ways. So I, I can understand that. But I think actually a number of the the car bots and things like that, they're still fantastic molds. You know, they've yeah. they've you know they still hold up as evidenced by the plus repaints and the fact that they can still mm. slot in so well. Wheeljack's a good example. Yeah, absolutely is. There's a funny thing with them now where I look at the masterpieces and I feel like they're really high-end, expensive toys. But with the, master- the masterpieces that we had then, I never felt like that. Like, you know, like you'd get the Bandai, like, sort of toys and stuff like that, that were really mm. expensive. And they were for collectors. They're not the sort of things you could pick up and move. Masterpiece in the Hasui era always felt like a different thing to that, like a almost like an in-between a deluxe transformer and a master, like a higher end masterpiece transformer, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that was a criticism that people leveled yeah. at it for a significant amount of time. It was, you know, no more rubber tires, less die cast. And I mean, price wise, if you were on the anime export train, <laughs> you would get some of them for like 20 to 30 pounds pre order. 22 pounds for Prowl. That's how much it was. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely insane prices. But so. like a Lambo was priced less, wasn't it? Deliberately priced cheaply. Because at the time they didn't think it would work. They weren't because we're still in that era where they, you know, it's such a different time to now where everything is always G1 and accurate. They didn't think it would work. And it was the same because um, MP11 was originally meant to be Soundwave. That was the idea. And then it was moved because they didn't think a tape recorder would work as a toy. So it was pushed. You know. Insane yeah. to think of that now. Just yeah, simply exactly. insane. That's what I mean. But this is the era we're talking about. The, the mindset is a completely different thing to the. The Transformers world we inhabit. It's now. like your manager of yesteryear saying to yeah. you, "Wait, uh, micromanagement 
doesn't aid productivity. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, like looking back, you think, well, how could you not see that back then? How did you think that you had to stand over someone 24 seven and totally manage everything they said and did? But it's the same thing. You look back and think, what do you mean a tape recorder wouldn't work? It's a toy. It's fun. It's sound wave. A genuine fear about it, wasn't there? But I remember even with like the Datsuns and things like that, I remember when they did, I think it was Smokescreen, I remember reading about at the time, and there was some uh, debate about whether they were actually going to do a masterpiece Smokescreen or not, because obviously it needed you know various elements of retooling. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know they had done some retooling for Red Alert, from Lambor, right? Uh, or alert, I should say, from using Japanese names. But uh, you know, on the on the, the little faux wheels and things like that, which people also had an issue with. Some right. people, by the way, but that's yeah, a whole other thing. But then when it came time to do smokescreen, I remember there was some conversation about whether it would actually happen or not with that amount of retooling, and it was like a real you know, uh, they need to kind of sell a certain amount of some of the previous molds and things like that in order to justify that retooling being done to then ship you know, a, a masterpiece smokescreen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it, it, it's sort of almost like a given, isn't it? That like, if you if you get a Prowl, you're going to get a Blue Street, you're going to get a smokescreen, you're going to get, you know, various Diaclone versions and whatever else as well. And, you know, it's it's sort of expected. That's the thing. This era was the era of the complaint. I feel like yeah. this is when you really got the vociferous uh, arguments about, the tiny details about releases because we'd been sold as concept and then everyone had really varying expectations of what that meant. Whereas yeah. like you were saying earlier, Masterpiece was Scattergun. This guy, that guy, maybe one every three years. Then it was like, no, it's a line. We're doing these guys. We're heading in this direction. You know, get on board. And, you know, if you hadn't gotten on board at the start, some of those earlier toys were absolute murder to find. Lambo sold out, Alert sold out, Starscream sold out, Soundwave sold out at a time when Masterpiece sold out. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? Like this, this is where it yeah. really took off. It was right here. Like every release was so like the people yeah, yeah. were frothing at the mouth. It really was. I don't think. I think there's a thing we hadn't really seen before, which was if you remember pre this, like if you go back to the old ones, is MP Ultra Magnus is a white Optimus Prime, but even the main lines, all of the characters were always. It's this different character, but it's just the same mold in a different color. But here we started to get like the tiny differences, didn't we? Like with Blue Streak with a different head and mm-hmm. with a different waist or something like that. Just really yep. the really tiny details then started to carry over to the new toys. And I think that's a, it really begins here. But then you see that now in the main lines, like with Blue Streak having a different. Well, I was going to say yeah. now, now you would just expect that, you know, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if like, I don't know, if Blue Streak came with the same head or whatever, people would be like, oh, you know. What's that about? Yeah. Um, no retooling. You know, right. it, it would almost be a surprise. Uh, and I and I do see those kind of complaints now. You know, about uh, toys that maybe could have had some element of retooling and they don't, and people kind of get a bit, you know, disappointed about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's not that long ago that these sorts of things really weren't a given. Um, but I think in many ways, the the whole Hasui era of masterpiece was a total watershed for Transformers as a whole. Because, Massive, yeah. You know, before this we've talked a lot on episodes such as Binal Tech and Classics and things like this. Um, and, you know, when we did Energon, we were talking about how mad it was at that time to have G1 homages, you know, mm. like in Energon, for example. And then you move on to stuff like Binal Tech and every single release was like, oh my God, can you believe we're getting this? We're getting, a, uh, you know, a tracks, a G1 looking tracks and yeah. stuff like that. It was just like incredible. 
and nobody could really believe their luck in many ways. And I don't feel like you had those. Um, so firstly, there was kind of less expectation I, in some ways, but also I don't think you then got, referring to what you were saying, Maz, that level of kind of nitpicking and complaint that mm. then you quickly saw in Masterpiece. And I think the other thing that contributes to that is that alongside Hasui era, you've got the rise of third party, you know, you've got your quake waves and everything. Yep. And then fans toys going through the roof crazy with like Dinobots and all kinds of stuff and other third parties getting on board. I mean, I remember like make toys doing their first, you know, um, uh, what was it like Chrome dome and things like that. Yeah. And, it, and it just absolutely mushroomed out of there. So I think it's, it's all of these factors working together. It's suddenly like massive line of G1 accurate, bots which we'd never had before and a stated intent by the designer of like we're going to be doing loads of these uh it was an increased release schedule which we'd also not really had before and like several toys per year versus like one every couple of years or whatever it was before third party coming out of nowhere uh and this level of accuracy that had just never been known so it was almost like all of these things but the the hobby now transformers it's not been the same since i don't think no no you you're right about this accelerated thing because it turned into a failure gap exercise. Yes. Uh, and previously that was a generations thing or, or a, you know, a classics style thing. Masterpiece was never failure gap, but as soon as that expectation was planted in people's minds, that's why the third party option became so desirable because that was doing that exact job for classics and generations at that time, filling gaps for toys that weren't available. And now it was happening at masterpiece scale it's almost like calling it masterpiece was one of the worst things it could have done for its own success because yeah, for everything it was doing new that people appreciated and bought into and man, a lot of people bought into it on the release of Lambor because I know a lot of people who skipped MP10, but then MP12 was the buy-in point. And the same with MP11 is like, this is basically the same thing as MP3, but upgraded in some ways and not in others. But then MP12 was a whole different thing. That was the stepping on point for everyone. But they were still dragging all the old masterpiece qualities, die cast, rubber wheels, size, expensive materials, everything into the, what the current line was referring to as masterpiece. This was really um, a different line in many, many respects. Yeah, it's almost like they could have ended the line and started again, I guess. I mean, a lot of people refer to it as like a soft reboot or a reboot mm. or whatever. I can see why. That's right. Masterpiece reboot was a very common phrase at the time. It was very so common I've completely phrase, yeah. forgotten about now. Yeah. Do you yeah, remember yeah. like with MP10, there might be people going, why do we need a version two? You know, I remember at the time, like, yeah. I was gonna say, the reaction was very much like that. I remember when we did the when we did the mini sode actually for those that don't remember it if you've not signed up to our Patreon uh, then we talked about the scale chart and I remember we did a bit of discussion about him <laughs> shaking chart. his blooming scale chart. Worst thing that ever happened to Transformers fans. <laughs> discovering well, the existence of that bloody thing it's really of this era isn't it so yeah. um but yeah i remember we talked about the the scale chart that takara themselves put out at the time and i i i seem to recall um, maybe i'm wrong that i think it was me that erroneously said that it was around the time of mp10 being released that they put this thing out but I, it was actually with lambor it was mp12 and i think that's why because i know you're right a lot of people skipped 10 they skipped convoy because they were like well why do why do i need, need another one i've got mm. i've got one he's really good you know and it was almost like not different enough you know it had because it cribbed on transformation elements as well like the the faux grill and things like that but i think a lot of people were like yeah you know what, what what's this about but then when they did lambor they released this scale chart and said no no 
this scales with that, and you're going to get all these other characters yeah. as well. And this scale Lamp chart had... rolling out of the trailer. Right. Oh crap! The, the trailer, all that, and this no scale chart had Prowl. There. It had <laughs> Hound on there. It had all of the Bumblebee, and it was like suddenly people were in. They were like, "Oh man, I want that. I want all of these cartoon characters looking like that, um, and have them all on the shelf in perfect scale." Um, and and it was a thing, and people were sold, and that's where third party got in on the game as well. It was the car modes that sold me. It was seeing, I believe it was Hard Return. It was his gallery of MP alert in car mode. Uh, that was the moment that I crumbled. I was like, oh, goodness, now there's a red alert, and it's a perfect contest. And then there's that preview image of the three Datsuns next to each other in vehicle. I was like, that's it. It's over. I have to do this now. And it was Red so- alert was when I got me. Yeah. Uh, there was just something about the fact that not only did we have Sideswap, I think somewhere in my mind I still thought, well, is that just a one-off? Is it just a one-off? And then Alert came along and thought, oh, man, that's two childhood Transformers that I had, and it's a Contash, and they look that good. Another thing about Alert was a remolded head. I mean, it also had yeah. a re-sculpted helmet so that it could fit its crazy ears on. And again, mm. we're really buying into the specific accessory era now as well, aren't we? The, the yes. odd episode. Amazon exclusives. Right, the pile drivers, yeah. Yeah, there is something to be said there that this is really when they, for better or worse, they, they start giving fans rules, don't they? Like, you know, with their scale chart and stuff, it almost it's like they create, you're going to get these toys, they have to fit this. And then from then on, it everyone sort of becomes, instead of like when MP Blue Street came out, people look and go, oh, wow, what's it going to look like? What the difference is going to be? What's it going to look like from the cartoon? Now it's when a Blue Street comes out is, why does it look different or what's missing? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They created, a, established a set of rules, I think, which... They did. That, that was really the era where toys had to look a certain way. They And, and from this era on, it's always been that way. Yeah. That's the thing. They had to look a certain way. They had to be the right size and scale. They had to have all the various elements of oh, accuracy paint, to the cartoon. Paint elements. Right, exactly. So they had to have a certain set of accessories or it would be like, well, why do they not have this one nod to their on-screen appearance in that episode of Soundwave Silver Triangle. Do you remember that? Yes, or the lack of paint on the (laughs) forehead on some releases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Well, even though they were doing this and this was the real epicenter of it, you look at something like Lambor and it had just plain white feet like the cartoon one does. But when we got the MP12T Tiger Track, they repainted that, didn't they? They actually put some of the sticker detail of the original toy onto its feet. And I remember thinking, that's amazing. That's classy. Yeah. I never felt like they should go full metal cartoon. Losing that element of the toy was a shame. There were so many good things you could just put into. That's another thing, man. This Hasui era did that, didn't it? It took what was basically, on first glance, a, a screen appearance of this character but when you looked at it a little bit closely, there were extra details that you would imagine. This is what a real sideswipe would look like if you were standing next to him. You'd see circuit detail on his thighs, or you'd see this kind of thing, or maybe sticker detail as circuit or molded embossed mm. detail. Then that went away. So yeah. I love the Hasui era for that. Yeah, that was that was a real thing as well. As I say, it was this kind of notion of the perfect representation, wasn't it? That was very much how they talked about MP10. Uh, of you know taking all these different elements from the toys, the cartoons, the comics, and and sort of melding it, mushing it together. But I think the the cartoon was still very much the primary influence on a lot of these. But you could sort of see what they were going for. I've got to say, 
the I know the whole notion of the the shift towards cartoon accuracy with like MP thirty six being an obvious one, and you know I think people talk about it starting with Ironhide. It's it's been on a sort of real tra- mm. you know kind of trajectory that way for a little while. I don't mind it personally. Like I really like the cartoon accurate. Uh, just to kind of put this out there, you know, I really like and to kind of state where I'm at. I really like those those bots. I love the new Starscream MP39 Sunstreaker is one of my favorite masterpieces without question. Uh, I think you know even the level of complexity in that toy, I still think it's fantastic, um, and I enjoy transforming it. So I don't mind where masterpiece has gone at all, and I and I actually think some of the newer releases are just as fabulous, but. Uh, I also did like what they were doing at the time. Liam, in that, Liam, in that, it's, it's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm editing this one. I'm going to cut all this. <laughs> yeah. You just, better just, bloody not. You need just to cut to, it all. So just, six, I was just saying how terrible it is. And studio just have everyone agree. Just have everyone MP agree. MP Sun Streaker is crap. Mm. <laughs> just edit it. Like studio that. Series 86 Hot Rod. Best tour ever. <laughs> Don't get me started on that <laughs> one, man, honestly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I, I like where it's gone. But I did like the Hesui era as well. Yeah. Um, I think what's weird is that it's changed so much. So, you know, I think it kind of started in one place and people were really bought into that idea. And now it's gone to a completely different place. And so I can kind of understand why old, old, not old masterpiece collectors, but people that were there from the ground floor feel a bit like, oh, the goalposts have moved, particularly as fans, toys and other third parties have gone that way as well. They've all gone towards that animation look. I was just going to say, Hasui himself said it was meant to be the idea behind his masterpieces was that it's how you remembered them, you know, from being a kid. Yeah, versus how they Because he said, uh, he's talking about it being the embodiment of that. And he says, it's neither making the cartoon version to a three-dimensional nor making it realistic as possible. It's about all of that coming together. Yeah, you bought into an interpretation, didn't you? Yeah. You you weren't saying, ah, you weren't nitpicking, you didn't get that right. It was buying into an interpretation. Because I, I look at those toys, I look, say I look at Sideswipe, and I see the like a cartoon accurate, but not in the same way as seeing a, you know, the cartoon cell come to life, if that makes sense. It's like all the details are there, the shapes. That, to me, is cartoon accurate as much as it looking. Yeah. Whereas now, they look more like the cartoon, if that makes sense. Now, now they yeah. look like you've peeled the animation model yeah. off, uh, you know, the paper almost. And whereas they never did look like that at this point. You know, they were never designed to. Some of them more, I would say, like Prowl and the Datsuns, yeah. to a certain extent more yeah. so. But none of them were really kind of designed in that respect. Otherwise, you would have had Lambor with a kind of collapsing chest yeah. or something like that to kind of make mm. the proportions a little bit more yeah. uh, as per the animation model. Don't you think it's really funny to think about that Lambor toy and all the really specific elements it had? And even people from the future Masterpiece line or the people from the past Masterpiece line would almost be amazed that you're describing this toy to them, either historically or about the future, like, yeah, the lower legs were basically formed by panels that you yeah. clipped together. It was it, hollow, you know. Like it's, the it's hollow. Were plastic. And there are actually holes in the side of the legs, which for a masterpiece toy, you right. know, I, it's bizarre, you know. But uh, but it's still good. It's a really yeah. good toy. I mean, the fact that it actually had little flaps that come out to to bridge some of the gap. Mm was, I suppose, a sort of um, a step up from what you might get in a, a generation's effort even today. Uh, so that was something. And his his head sculpt wasn't great either by Masterpiece standards. Like, if you look at his face, yeah. it's like it was really weird, teeny-weeny little face inside that big helmet. And I think even Siege Sideswipe does a better job of creating a really nice Sideswipe head sculpt than MP12 did. 
MP14 uh, alert the, did it way plus, better. The plus yeah. version is better on yeah, it is Lambo, better, yeah. way better actually. The head, um, but but all of it kind of, if anything, you can sort of see, as I say, how the current generation's toys have taken some of those learnings and and sort of in a way steered into it a little bit. Like they're still generations toys. They're not, you know, siege siege sideswipe or, or you know whatever the equivalent Earth version is will never quite be the same as MP12. But you can see where the learnings have gone, can't you, into a kind of generation's effort. Of course. And the influence. Weren't you also completely spun out by the fact that you had car manufacturer logos on Masterpiece packaging? I mean, sure, we had them on vinyl tech packaging, but seeing them on Masterpiece on a G1 product was crazy for me. And that was just another thing that helped me crumble into buying into that line. That Lamborghini hologram. The first time you saw that, Mm. the stuff... It's it's funny, like when you think we had licensed cars in Banaltech and how much we love that, but how different this felt because there was always that vibe yeah. of Banaltech, wasn't it? And stuff where it's like, oh, just imagine. It was great to tell you, you the little part of you would always go, oh, imagine if they did that with the original mm. cars and stuff like that. And then we finally got it and it was a completely different way of doing it. But like you yeah. say, it was still amazing to see those licenses. Yeah, I think it was the fact that whereas Banaltech was new cars, this yeah. this was a 1980s Lamborghini you know it was was the fact that oh they've actually gone and got a license for a car that is that old you know it's kind of kind of mad Uh, and like you know the original Beetle and things like that I mean the Beetle was a big one uh, you know for for not having previously been able to get a Volkswagen license and things like that Uh, and still to this day isn't there there's lots of talk about uh, you know getting a a Porsche license and things like that um, although actually, you know, I don't know if Cliff Jumper is licensed or not. I wrote an article about it, and I still don't think it's been a hundred percent confirmed if they actually have the license. Mm. Uh, you know, we'll almost have to wait and see what, whether Cliff Jumper has the logo on the box. Have they officially um, confirmed it exists yet? Nope, uh, nope, <laughs> not. it's been leaked for ages, yeah. for absolutely ages. Oh, wait, you know, another thing about this era: bootlegs. Yeah. This was a serious starting point for the Masterpiece yeah. bootleg, wasn't it? Oh, you're um, right. Even before you were done with MP12, the bootlegs were out there. And then there was also the Korean versions, which were packaged in robot mode. It just suddenly became a really muddy pool of where to get your stuff and what yeah. else was available and how much cheaper you could still get it compared to anime export or whatever you were using at the time yeah tiger track was the one wasn't it especially that like it, it almost became impossible to tell what was a real tiger track and what was the ko yeah. and the only way you could tell was that there might be like a five quid price difference or something mm-hmm. like that at one point so and one of them came from china yeah. uh, but other than that it was very difficult to kind of you know sort of spot um particularly as a lot of the the sellers didn't always say ko they would say um, kind of reissue version or reproduction or yeah that's where it became nebulous because then there were reproduction runs there were yeah. reissue runs and you thought wait is this a reissue how has this store got more stock in and another thing i can't separate from this era is the pricing i mean sure these things were well priced but then they sold out and i remember sitting on tfw sales page refreshing because people would list an MP12 and sometimes it was £100 and it would go. Next one was £150 and it would go. Can you imagine 150 quid for a, a toy that was, what, 30 at retail or something like that? And the prices were just skyrocketing. Anyone who listed an MP11, man, they were just pounced on immediately. They were just vanishing as soon as they were listed for this little period of time. I think Soundwave was kind of caught up in this too. I was really fortunate because I'd missed Lambor completely. And uh, TF Source, actually, who I was writing for at the time, 
just gave me one as a present. They kept one in stock and they said, we're just waiting for the moment when you cracked on it. I mean, we knew you were going to. They made me buy alert, <laughs> but they said, you can have the Lambo. We're chucking that in. So that was amazing to actually have that in hand and realize how much this was exactly what I was after. But I really tried to resist getting into it. I really did because I knew where it was going to lead in terms of it just swallowed everything, didn't it? Like it swallowed focus. It swallowed funds from other areas of collecting. What else felt as new at the time? What could have combated it? Like when 12, 13 and 14 were coming out? No, nah, it was all, it was all encompassing, honestly. Like yeah. it was... So fresh. Uh, yeah, mm. it really, really was. And I feel like everybody kind of got into Masterpiece mm. at the time, right? Like whereas now it's more sort of like, oh, you're a Masterpiece collector. You know, at that point, I don't think that differentiation really existed so much. You know, everybody was buying the car bots and whatever because yeah. they were so cheap. It was like... It was the main line almost. It, so, yeah, kind of in a funny way. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly where a lot of the excitement was going. And like, you know, some of those car bots at retail were comparable in price to what you pay for a Generations toy now, Yeah, um, actually. What, what was uh, competing with it in 2013? I mean, reissues, it was post-Encore era. There wasn't a lot going on there. Binal Tech was long dead. The movies were three movies in, so that kind of sparkle of that had vanished as well. Yeah, Generations was a thing, but this con- competitor, it's like, what was competing with it other than third party, which was then basically you know, piggybacking off the popularity of this particular aesthetic. But this was also the very first time the G1 accuracy thing came into the toys like this. Like we'd never had this before at this at this level where it suddenly just took over and consumed everything in front of it, didn't it? Because we'd had sideswipe toys, but we'd never had a Lamborghini. We did the same with all of these, like Wheeljack. Like we'd barely seen Wheeljack. It was a Mustang. That was mm. a brief. And again, we're still, even though it's only, was it 2011, that sort of era, it seems so long ago, like now, when you see how many toys of these characters that have come since, and it all springs from this. I think, like the success of this in bringing these characters back. Yeah, think how popular Classics Wheeljack was at that point, and Tracks. Oh, yeah, they generally. were very yeah. popular toys. Mm. Yeah, but we'd never seen Wheeljack as a Lancia since the original toy. No, and that's, that's right. so many of these things were like this. Like you see them now in like the little Coro Q forms or stuff like that, or even you know like the Jada toys, the little tiny Lamborghinis mm. and stuff like that. But we'd never seen Sideswipe as a Lamborghini since, I don't think, other than the universe one where it's the uh, fictional, fictionalized model, yeah, one, but yeah, not the, one, yeah. the Kuntash. And it's some of that, it was such a special sight to see that for the first time. Whereas now we're like, oh, gee, you want to get, we see this all the time. It's a di- completely different mindset. I have a, a very distinct memory of sitting in the doctor's waiting room, uh, you know, playing around on my phone. At the time, I mean, it must have been, you know, sort of early-ish 2013, no, 2014, early 2014, and seeing uh, scans that had been released, and it had colour pictures of Wheeljack and uh, pictures of Bumble as well, Bumblebee, and I was just so excited, man. I can't even tell you. I was just like, I remember glaring at the phone, just like, oh my God. Look at this. Look yeah, it was who's this. next. Like with Binal Tech, yeah. the yeah. way that got so exciting, this was the same. It was the who's next thing. It was just incredible, honestly. And that, particularly, the, I mean, that was actually now, we know, towards the end of the Hosui yeah. era, of course. But that at that point, it really was like the potential just felt through the roof. You know, you'd had Lambor, you'd had Red Alert, you'd had the Datsuns, now Wheeljack. You know, it was just like, wow, they're actually going to do this um, it was just amazing. And and that Wheeljack toy, I still think, is probably one of the best representations of that character that's ever wonderful, been done. Wonderful it's character. It's just wonderful incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. 
I like. I think one of my favorite things about this era is. I was going to say this at the end, but I'll say it now. But like, um, I was saying there about how it created a set of rules. At the same time, it broke all the established rules that fans need to have. Like, there was always a phrase, they'll never do this character, or they'll never do it in this style, all these little things. And then every time, like you were saying there, like people were waiting to see what it was like, because it changed everything. You didn't know what was coming next or what it would look like, because we hadn't seen that before. Yeah. And it, it, it was like, suddenly, this is like Generations Now, where all of a sudden, anything's on the table where for years it'd be like if you got a hard head it was a recall of something else or yeah if you got yeah, this yeah. cliff jump it was just a red bumblebee whereas now it's like if you see that you're like it could be its own mold that exists now and it didn't before that i don't think as much i i agree i remember a lot of conversation about Goldbug. uh you know after yeah. bumblebee came out people were like starting to you know particularly with the the gold uh, G2 repaint and a lot right. of people were like oh is that gold bug etc and uh, I remember chatting with someone and saying you know I really feel like if they got to the point of doing gold bug it would be a totally new mold you know and that just felt very plausible actually uh, and ironically it still hasn't happened in third party or anything I think there is one finally on the way at some point from X Transbots maybe no one can get them wheels down to the feet that's all it is Both right can't do it. exactly exactly as I say I think XTB are all lining themselves up to have a go at Throttlebots yeah. but uh, um, but yeah it's um, you know it really felt like yeah they wouldn't they wouldn't just do a repaint of Bumblebee and call it Goldbug you know it yeah. would be a new mold um, and I think you're right. That was the that was where we were at. And the funny thing was is that actually, if you look at the roster and the releases, we hadn't had that much at this point. You know, we'd had, mm-hmm. um, I mean, genuinely, we'd had MP10. Obviously, you'd had the the Starscream mold, which had you know was essentially a rehash of the original mold as it was sort of meant to be. Um, you'd then had Soundwave in his cassettes. Uh, you'd had the Datsuns and Wheeljack, and that was it. And then Bumblebee, obviously. That that was that's all we're talking about in terms of molds um, that sort of ushered in this era, and yet already people were like, "When do you think we're going to get masterpiece? Um, I don't know, name a character, masterpiece yeah. Roadbuster or whatever." You know, people were just kind of like imagining everything. I think another important thing about this era is I also felt separate to the original masterpieces, which felt really distinct and far apart. This was a kind of oh, it's hard to phrase it. Because mass, mass produced masterpiece. No, no, I don't want to paint collectors with a certain brush or, or people with a certain brush. But I felt like when you saw someone who had all of those figures that you just mentioned, like they set up a photo display of Soundwave, his cassettes, Starscream, and then on the other side, they had MP10 and Lambor and Red Alert. This was the point where if someone had put a photo of that up on a board, I, and I myself thought this too. I thought, that's a collector who can spend a lot of money. Because it, it started to feel like that point where if you were buying into this line, it was a bit of a privilege to be able to buy all these figures. I had to wait ages until I finally added MP11 to my Decepticons. And it was an event. It was like, whoa, the cape, the jet, the colors. This is incredible. And then Soundwave was similarly like, because Soundwave was damn hard to get for a while there. I had to buy one without a laser beak, and then I had to buy a laser beak off another collector, which had a little bit of damage, just to have the sets, because it was so hard to get it even a little bit after release. So I remember not thinking that it was just a tick box exercise. And it's mad to think that today we have so many collectors who can just buy every masterpiece on release, because they're so much more expensive now. But it mm. felt at that time it was 
Okay, G1 collectors got that all the time. You post a big, a nice photo of lots of mint inbox G1, you were asked, how much are you spending on these? But I remember starting to get those comments once my masterpiece collection started to take a little shape as well. And I think, Six, I remember you getting asked that on a regular basis as well, like how much do you spend on toys? And it was usually directed at this masterpiece level content. Yeah, I think that is there's a fair assessment. There was definitely an element of that. Although, as you say, you know, the car bots generally, particularly if you got them off anime export back in the day, you know, you were sometimes talking like 25 quid or something a pop. You know, it really yeah, wasn't. But it was you know. those allied to Soundwave, allied yeah. to Starscream, and then. No, for sure. The, 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 the ones actually that always I remember being like, ooh, you know, was uh, some of the like MP11 repaints, for example. Yeah. Like that was, you know, it was super exciting when they announced that they Sky were going to do uh, Skywarp, yeah, for example. But they were always um either like were they tt mall exclusives i can't even remember yeah, now so um i think skywalk was was that yeah it was a tough yeah one. Uh, that was that was they had the, a little bit of a price hike going on for sure so there was definitely those elements of it and some of the the kind of repainted versions as well uh you know the weird and wonderful repaints um could get a bit of a price hike too so yeah there was definitely an element of that for sure yeah those uh mp11 repaints uh i remember because i got them I got the Starscream on my birthday and I remember being like, this is the most expensive Transformer I've ever bought. And I think it was about £110, maybe. Mm. Which is, is crazy now when you think of how far toys have, toys in general have moved yep. away from that. Like you think about the Commander Class Rodimus Prime, which was like right. 80 quid or that sort of stuff and where we're at. But like that seemed like a leap too far almost for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, it is a different era now. I, I actually saw that Rodimus, for, I think for 90, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Um I mean that is I, I I mean I did pull a face at that I think when I saw it on the shelf at ninety quid I was like oh my god do you know what I mean well, have that, you seen its length though <laughs> that's <laughs> so, where your money's so going a whole lot of time a whole lot of space Winnebago but don't um, forget that MP11 was also not an entirely new mold that was the no, thing also it was like true. all this money on what is essentially an MP3 upgrade yeah 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 absolutely the pro- bringing the prototype back that's mm. what they were doing. Yeah, but I think it—I don't know—it was a different era in terms of of that, and I think, as you say, Liam, things are just more expensive now as well. I mean, I still regularly get, you know, shocked at the price of things, not just toys, you know. And I feel like an old man saying this, do you know what I mean? But even in the last five years or something, things have just got crazy expensive. But I think there is a new normal now as well, where, uh, you know, particularly with crowdfunded stuff and so much stuff. Whereas you said earlier, Maz, you know, what else was competing with this at the time? That's the reality is that, yes, these were at the time expensive toys, although in hindsight, actually things, you know, mainline now brushes up against it at the sort of bottom end. Um, But actually, what else were were you buying as well? This was literally it for some people, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and you were talking, you know, two, maybe three toys a year actually of that sort of level. It was only really like if you threw in third party and stuff as well, potentially. They did seem to have a different mindset toward it, though. Did you not think? That's what I always felt with this, was when I was saying earlier about them being like an in-between a deluxe and a masterpiece. It's like, if you looked at like other toys at the time, for specifically for collectors, like saying about the Bandai stuff, that was always super expensive in the big 100, 200 pound range. Whereas Masterpiece for ages was always in the 30 quid, and then you were up to your 100 pound or whatever. And it was like, it almost felt like still that Takara still looked at them as toys. They were still looking at them as we're not, going into that crazy high-end collector but as it kept evolving and going on that's where they've eventually looked and gone we do have this market and that's where we find ourselves now is in the 
four hundred pound range or whatever kind of crazy expensive stuff. Yeah, it's really gone it's up a notch now. Like, yeah, yeah, it has. I mean, if you look at, I mean, stuff like the price of MP44 is just like that was a watershed for I think for a lot of people as well. Of mm-hmm. like, oh, you want to do this character again, and you're going to charge that? You know, it's. Um, Definitely, I know a lot of people were out once they yeah. saw the price of it. I remember that um, same reaction with Megatron. £170 was, mm. um, for me, an immediate nope. I draw the line there. That toy looks great. Everyone's telling me it's the second coming, but I'm not touching it because that price is beyond what I consider acceptable for a new toy. And yeah, look at now. And how long did that last? A month. <laughs> it lasted a month before I... I remember I, that month. That was such a oh, long month, honestly. I even, I even wrote an article like, basically titled Why I'm Not Buying MP Megatron. I know. And then like a month later, did Why I Bought Masterpiece Megatron. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was fair enough. I mean, it was all justified reasons. And, you know, it is a, it's a ridiculous amount of money, really, isn't it, for a bit of plastic and whatever else. But it's all the engineering parts. And, you know, we under, we can logically understand all of those things, but still think, that's a lot of money. You know, I think the, the two can coexist. Still the most expensive Transformer ever bought. I think most expensive toy ever bought is Masterpiece Megatron. Mm-hmm. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that was my limit. That was where I hit my point where... But it was worth it because it's such a great toy. The Transformers will return after these messages. Right, well, it's that time for the bit of the pod where we talk about our sponsor. And of course, that is tfsource.com for your Transformers and third-party needs and uh, and masterpiece needs. And uh, lo and behold, I have identified the subject that has caught my eye, and uh, it is a masterpiece. Uh, It's MP48+. plus Black Leo Convoy. Yes, indeed. Yeah, Dark Amber Leo Prime, as he's he's called here, Uh, which is a weird name. But yeah, it's Black Leo Convoy. Is he a nemesis or is he a copy? He didn't really say. I think they've gone with um, a different um, explanation for it. I mean, actually, weirdly, the color scheme is taken seemingly from the original Black Lion Convoy toy, uh, which, of course, we talked about quite a bit, didn't we, in a, a recent episode. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's taken off that in that it's got a, a gray mane and a black face on the lion as opposed to a grey face with a black mane, which would be more cartoon accurate to the Beast Wars second episode. But I just think it looks spectacular. I'm really into it. Love the teal claws and all that kind of stuff. I noticed those. Those were really nice. I was like, yeah, Yeah. that's cool. Definitely looks great. And and I'm well up for that mould having another go as well because I really love the robot mode on it. And sadly, my original copy, like a lot of people's, the paint is just not great on it. Do you know what I mean? Like It looks fantastic, but it scrapes off pretty easily. Uh, that's actually the the masterpiece toy that I've had the worst uh, kind of you know paint errors with and things like that. So I'm well up for another copy of it. Hopefully, it'll be a good one. Completely forgot that was a thing, but of course, this yeah. is a plus version of a mold that already exists. But I totally blacked out that that was a masterpiece release. Forgotten about it totally. Well, I'll convoy. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good, really good one as well. The, the beast mode is not the best masterpiece beast mode. It's fair to say it's like it's very stylized, kind of of its own thing. But I really like it. Love the robot mode. It looks beautiful. So it's a very striking looking toy, I think. That mm-hmm. one. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What's caught your eyes, chaps? For me, it is the Arctic and Desert camo versions of TFC ST Commander. I mean, yes. that toy already had my eyes as soon as it came out. Today, literally today, I have received... ST Commander Nuclear Blast. I haven't opened it yet. I'm just ignoring, um, admiring the Tamiya style model packaging they've got on it. I can't wait to get into that. 
But then I saw the Arctic version with the upgraded head sculpt and the weapons and the parts and the desert camo one as well, man. They are just beautiful. Let's just keep repainting it, guys. I don't care. I'm into it. Uh, And the other thing that really got my attention was the Diaclone DA-93, which is a really weird-looking bot, a really funny-looking little thing. I think um, Dia Guardian or something, I think it's called. But they have pitched that as the first step on the road to the great robot base. So there are elements of that. Oh, is that right? Yeah, there are elements of that release, DA-93, that you can use with the eventual great robot base project. And it comes with a tiny little Cosmo roller which is adorable, and it fits a couple of Dianauts. It's just got the fold-out radar dish, and I think that will kind of fit into the foot of the great robot base the same way as Gasket and Gromit kind of do with Fort Max. So that is the entry point for what will be the most incredible Diaclone project. Uh, So that's a bit of a must-have for me. Oh, interesting. Two very interesting choices. Are you going to get that Arctic TFC repaint? 100% yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, you might hate the, that's the point. jungle one. It, it, it'll be uh, depending on how, uh, but you know, jungle is massive, so it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> jungle, jungle is indeed Big up. massive, very massive. Icky, yes. icky. There's literally no way that you're not going to enjoy that TFC. I can't imagine. Toy, honestly, it's it's, it, it's great. I'll just look it's at the truck mode. That's all. I, the truck mode is what I bought it for. It's just it's beautiful yeah. by itself. Yeah. It's like a playset, isn't it? Almost. Yeah. It's, got, mm. it's got all those yeah, features. It really is. And it actually does work with Diaclone Dinots. I know I say yeah, that yeah. to you all yeah. the time about toys that. Bit yeah. of Crywolf going on with you with that now. But um, I, yeah, I, I very I, much I think it does. Even says on the box 160 scale. I discovered that Beast Wars Razor Beast works with Diaclone Dinots the other day. Can you believe that? No, I'll need pictures. I'll send you some. I don't actually have a Razor Beast. So that would be Man in Man in Pig. Yeah, it would. <laughs> I'm lying. I'm lying. By the way, it's, it doesn't. Oh, doesn't. many, many men in pig. <laughs> you believed it as well. Bless you. I didn't, but I just wanted it to be real. Yeah, it would be. For, maybe it does. I don't know. I've not tried it. So optimal optimist, does they? Yes, that I know. Liam, I've been looking at the. I don't know if you you guys are interested in this, but the teenage mean teenage. Chances are, <laughs> yeah, I was say, probably not, mate. <laughs> doesn't feel like you're pizza shaped wheelhouse but uh, <laughs> I, I told you about the pizza wheels i'm still sad that you didn't buy that thing <laughs> still time but uh <laughs> they've done these toys uh the ultimates but they're based on the actual playmates toys i don't know if you remember those rather than the cartoon oh, like yeah. and they're super cool they're very they're very expensive but they're very cool um i think i have seen a picture of someone was talking about them the other day and saying that yeah. they the you know they posted a picture or what have you and i did see them i do often see turtles toys and you know, it's not my wheelhouse at all, but I do see pictures. Pizza shaped wheelhouse. Pizza shaped wheelhouse, yeah. But I do see pictures of them online and think, hey, they look pretty decent. Like a number of the turtles' yeah. toys, I think, are really photogenic um, and look amazing in some of the kind of sewer backdrops and things that people do with yeah. them and whatever else. Um, so yeah, for sure, cool. I think what's lovely about these is it's like um, imagine if they did like modern versions of the G1 toys, you know, like that. Because that's what this is like. Because the Turtles toys look nothing like the cartoon Turtles at all. They're not based on them. So it's just nice to see that brought back. I think I know what you're talking about now. I was just scrolling through the page trying to find them. I didn't see them immediately, but I do remember seeing you comment on them on Twitter. And the other thing is something that is so obvious. We're all going to love it. The Masterpiece Jetfire. Yeah, of course. Or Skyfire. It just... 
oh god it's getting me closer to bending yeah, yeah, back yeah. towards masterpiece i know what you mean i've seen a couple of pictures in the last week where that head sculpt didn't look as gormless as i thought it did originally and i'm thinking that's the key if i can yeah. get on board with that head sculpt the rest of that toy is 100 percent I'm going to fess up straight away. It's the little tiny figures. It's not even this <laughs> jet by itself. But yeah, yeah, it's the tiny little figures. Like, oh, I love them. Absolutely little, amazing. Little. Honestly, they played a blinder with that one because yeah. I must admit, it's one of those, isn't it, where I, I get this a lot with official Takara Masterpiece versus third party where because I'm so happy with Phoenix, you know, fans' toys, mm-hmm. and you do sort of sit before the thing's unveiled and think, well, what, what could Takara really do that would knock that thing off the shelf? And then it's unveiled and you're like, oh, that's what they could do. <laughs> right, they made okay. it a toy again. That's what it yeah. feels like. It's, it just screams fun. But the face, I, I don't think it's as bad as I've seen a lot of people talk about it, but it, it I agree. Doesn't, doesn't quite land, but everything else. It's the fact, again, we've been talking about it for the episode, but it's the fact we get this kind of toy now, like a jet, a Skyfire yeah, that yeah. is a Skyfire. I think you know that's I mean? one of those you were talking about. Can you believe we're getting an MP Skyfire? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's kind of right in line. Whereas again, like if you went back like 10 years, people were going, They'd never do that. They this would never be a thing they'd do. It'd be a repaint of some jet thing or something else. And now yeah, I think, oh my gosh. If, if you think back to like Binal Tech and that kind of era of like just how elated you were to get anything G one and the idea that we'd be getting a masterpiece Skyfire is just like insane, really, isn't <laughs> it's it? It's quite so, ironic because one of the first the the first thing that was ever branded generation one were those Takara SCF PVC figures. Right. <laughs> and that's basically the trick they're pulling now <laughs> to make this stand out yeah. like, even smaller. Yeah. yeah, 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 it really is. But they look quite articulated as well. I'm well into them. I uh, honestly, I, I think if they did a separate pack of just those small figures, you know, They've they did got like, to, you know, like yeah, yeah, they did a hound or whatever, more characters. People would buy them separately. Yeah. I think they'd, they'd be well into them. So they don't. I had to laugh though, honestly. Um, I, I, I shan't say which website it was uh, uh but i think you can probably guess that uh yeah someone was complaining about um mp57 skyfire whatever it is and uh those little minifigures that they don't transform and i, just, I was like you know when you just have to like scoff and just turn away from your computer because i was just like oh my god we're you know talking about nitpicking and all of that in, in masterpiece we really are at that era of like here are these little teeny tiny things that are like impossibly small and we're gonna nitpick the fact that they don't transform into realistic yeah. vehicle modes or whatever it's just okay sure sure can i just say i i am disappointed it doesn't come with one accessory you know how starscreen comes with a cape why does guy not come with a block of ice you know some sort of you just stick him in maz can lend that to you he's got plenty plenty of ice like mr frosty <laughs> you're the one who just bought a slush puppy machine <gasps> no i bought someone bought me for christmas and i just oh. used it Okay. I think the the inside of my body is still blue from drinking so much of it. <laughs> I bet the inside of your body doesn't know what's going on with the outside of your body. Yeah. If you're drinking slush puppies <laughs> sat in the hot tub, it's probably all over the place. Like right. a reverse blue man group. <laughs> we're sponsored by TF Source, and this is the sponsor segment. The other thing that we're sponsored by is Liam's local news agent. So tell us, Liam, what did you have for breakfast today? T- today? Oh, oh, are we talking about the chilean pasty and packet of hula hoops? Is that, is that one? <laughs> was that breakfast? That was yesterday. In my defence, it's because I had a there was a, we had a party on Saturday night, so that's why. Like, I woke up the next morning, but I turned down the hash browns because they were too greasy. I was like, I was like, do you want them? No, I'll go a bit healthier. So the packet of hula hoops and a pasty. But they weren't all butter hash browns. Yeah, mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they weren't all butter. Fair warning: this is going to be a regular segment. You and your breakfast. <laughs>
I think spin-off pod- podcast, that's all. Yeah. What terrible thing has he eaten this week? Yeah, well, the thing is, being a vegetarian who hates vegetables, and I'm the one who eats the unhealthy food. Terrible, man. Absolutely terrible. So, anyway, that is our sponsor segment. So, thank you once again to TF Source for sponsoring this nonsense. And uh, slash but, puppy. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> and slash puppy. We should reach out to them. Why not? See what they say. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we do appreciate it. TFSource.com. Do check them out for all your Transformers and third-party masterpiece needs. We now return to the Transformers. So we've been talking about this being a particular era, but we haven't actually talked about the person whose era it is. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the Hasui era. So Shogo Hasui, what do we know about this guy? He's a toy designer. Yes. He worked for Takara Tomi, not Takasa Tony. <laughs> Takasa Tomi, yeah. That's how you know the difference, yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, well, yeah, he's he's the, the the brains, isn't he, behind the operation, the whole the whole kind of era. But yeah, long time Takara designer. Uh, not sure how he got put onto Masterpiece. That's one thing I'm not clear on. But I know that he had done loads previously and had sort of been around since uh, sort of early 2000s, I think. Um, so he was on Beast Machines at the end of the 90s, I think, is where he got his start. But he's designed quite a few toys that we all talk about quite a lot, like classic Starscream was one of his apparently he's he's like a big starscream guy isn't he he's like yeah. starscream is one of his characters that he really loves i think um i'm sure that's a fact that i know about him is that do you think that's why we got mp11 wasn't mp11 a kobayashi design that then got a hasui update yeah but do you think that's why he went back and did it because he went because it was mp3 but was it mp3 it was MP3, oh, yeah. Sorry, MP03. Was it MP03? <laughs> well, actually, MP3 was... Um, Sho- Shoji Kawamori. Yes, Shoji Kawamori, of course, the, the Macros yeah, well, designer. Well, it was... A, so, MP3 was a Kobayashi design that was then overhauled yeah. by Carol Mori. And oh, yeah, and MP11 was a callback to the original M- design. Yeah, the they, they, the they had put out... Yeah, they had put out the prototype of uh, the original MP3, what it looked like, and it didn't have the hip scabbards and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it, it looked more like MP11 does, and a lot of people loved it. I wouldn't say it was. It's not just like literally that prototype was MP11, um, but then it got yeah a sort of small overhaul and brought back as MP11 basically. So it's kind of the the original design before it was caramoried. I remember when those prototype pictures first dropped of that screen, sort of being so excited, yeah, and then yeah. seeing the final thing and being far far less excited. Ah, <laughs> like, oh. what I think is funny about. Kobayashi is that he I remember so many people like when Ironhide came out and you know it's got that kind of hip kibble on the sides of Ironhide or whatever and and people were commenting at the time saying what is it with this guy that he has to design all the Transformers with hip kibble (laughs) clearly referring to MP3 and it was like oh dude do you know (laughs) it's just one of those really silly comments that people make that you're like no that's that's not accurate but Fair enough. I just love the idea of Kobayashi sitting there being like, I have the perfect Transformers design, and now I must add hip kibble. There's a funny thing with Hasui, though. It's like, um, you know, when you think of Transformers, you think of Budiansky and Furman, but there are very few other names, um, Michael Bay, but there are very few like names that are really attached to it. But then when you talk about this era of masterpieces, it's always Hasui era masterpieces. It's own, yeah, it's true. Whereas the other ones aren't really... You, if you know, you know the other designers. Yeah. You know, it's not just character-based either. It's not just yeah. because of the characters that came out during this time. I think it's also to do with engineering and toy design and the way these things transformed and the way they made you feel when handling them. I think that is as much of a Hasui-era signature as the move to doing all characters. 
I think so, because you can see that trait of that design in a lot of other stuff that he's done as well. You know, I mean, you know, Unite Warriors Devastator is like an obvious yeah. one where it feels like a Hasui bot. I know it's not a masterpiece, although... Where it started the, life as Yeah, it? I was going to say, apparently, yeah, he was tinkering away with the idea of a masterpiece Devastator behind the scenes, as you do. So I figure, yeah. you know, why not? Uh, just imagining that that might one day be a reality. And Hasui's Wednesday, that's it. Just, yeah, yeah that's exactly. the minor day. It's, it's like the opposite to designing Masterpiece Megatron uh, MP5, that is. <laughs> right. That's like, you've got 10 days, go! Whereas this is like, I'm just tinkering in the background in case I ever get asked to yeah. do a Masterpiece Devastator. Here it is, you know. But um, yeah, I think you can see the same signature of uh, kind of transformation, almost a simplicity to the approach despite it being a generations toy and obviously of course it's simple but there's still that sort of effortless uh way that it converts between modes and things like that that i think is very representative of what he does and i think i think he's become a bit of a rock star in some ways like he's i think that's why that era is referred to as such and i think even with mainline stuff now um you know even like mark mayer and some of the the you know the, the kind of current hasbro design team and things they often refer to oh and this was a hasui uh, you know, he had some input on it and things, and people get quite excited about that. Well, you could see the signs that he was going to do something special if you look at even some of the Human Alliance toys that came out before. Yeah. I, I do remember that he did Human Alliance Jazz, which was one of my absolute favorite toys. And that was a toy that I can look back at pre-2012 Masterpiece and say, that's about as perfect a toy when you consider vehicle mode, simplicity of transformation, Posability was decent, but it looked like the on-screen jazz. The robot mode just had delicious proportions. It was great. And I can totally believe that he is the same person responsible for some of the most excellent masterpiece era toys we've had. Yeah, I remember this era purely for those masterpiece moments. And every single one of those transformations had something that was just a little bit magical. And uh, I think that's his signature for me, really. He definitely has a style, doesn't he? Where It's like a very obvious, it's kind of almost like a very... Not a perfect version of it, but like a really ideal version of a toy. Like you're saying there about the um, the Human Alliance toys, it's like mm-hmm. the most ideal version of that character as a toy. And it's the same. Like this obviously flows through masterpiece, but then now we see it in generations and stuff. He's he's become like it's like the first real toy designer who's become I don't know almost like not the biggest one, but you know what I mean. Like the one whose influence you most keenly feel on stuff. Household name. You yeah. might say, yeah, he's a little bit. He's 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 definitely a yeah. He's he's more uh, instantly recalled by I think by a lot of people now that kind of know a little bit about toy designers than yeah. than a lot of the Takara Termi guys. Yeah, I mean, people were sad when he was moved off the line, weren't they? Do you remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. They really were. They really were. It was really felt. Uh, and then there was a lot of speculation about who it was going to be. And I think a lot of people. I, that, I remember that quite distinctly actually, because a lot of people were saying that it might be Kobayashi that they brought back. But then it wasn't confirmed, I think, for ages. And even after Trax was released, because that was the first... Star Saber wasn't designed by Hasui either, but that was that was Yuki that they brought in as a sort of separate project. And then MP25 was the first non-Hasui-era bot, if you like. Um, and I remember a lot of people were like, who's designed this? Why is it so different? You know what mm. I mean? And it, and it did feel different in a number of regards. I still think it's fantastic, actually. It is fantastic. Um, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, but I love that we're all on the same page. Very we different. Have the three people who like that toy, apparently. Mm. <laughs> uh, there are there are dozens of us, dozens yeah. of us, absolutely. But no, joking aside, lots of people do like masterpiece tracks. Um, just some very dissenting voices that don't. 
but it, it does feel very different to what came before it. And I think you, from tracks onwards, you definitely saw this kind of snowball thing of the design. It was almost like tracks began in a place that tried to feel slightly familiar to what had come before it, but it, it quickly snowballed into something else, I think. Um, uh, whereas, you know, the Siri era, they all kind of tie into to each other in a way, don't they? Mm-hmm. I do feel like um, some of the masterpieces that came after his era were just, there was a lot of ingenuity in the overall idea of how it was going to work. Like it was just complex and you had to sit down and understand how this thing was going to change into the other thing. And it would go in lots of unexpected ways. Whereas I felt that the Hasui era transformers were all very intuitive, but then there was one ingenious bridge that sort of, took it from one thing to another and made it possible to achieve that really accurate vehicle mode with the licensing on the front of the box, but also a very screen accurate or the most screen accurate version of a character we could have that you would happily put on your shelf and say, that's a masterpiece. You're talking about things like the old uh, little bit of the bum- the, the front uh, bonnet or whatever on Bumble, aren't you? That kind of thing. Absolutely. That one stands out yeah. for me. Uh, it's the arms on Magnus as well, really. Oh, there's lots of things on Magnus. We'll come to that. Um, Wheeljack had one as well, and I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. It was something to do with the back transformation. There was just one step. It's been too long since I transformed that toy, but there was one thing that always really impressed me. It might just be the arms, like the arms and the spoilers about how that whole bit works out. The rear of the car, the way it is, it the way it inverts into the chest so the wheels yeah fold that's really in, like, don't they? I think so. it's a that's an amazing little touch that i think that might be actually, and the head yeah. sits sideways in the body doesn't it as well mm. I, I was quite like that like it's i don't know there's something it's also something funny to me like when a toy does that where the head sits in a way you don't expect it to because you always expect it to just turn around or just slot into something but when it has to sit sideways on you're like oh it's just slightly different and it's laser beak laser beak was tremendous I yeah mean, laser beak. a little piece of magic that thing laser beak is is amazing honestly so absolutely incredible bit of design yeah i think that's one of the greatest examples if you're going to show somebody like what this area was about is you'd go that and go he got laser beak's guns into the tape it's like oh man that's it that's the masterpiece yeah. moment for that Abs- one magic and i think that's a bit ravage too even with like yeah. ravage Same yeah thing. the the ravage guns really got me honestly so it's not i don't know now you look at that stuff and it's almost like expected but at the time yeah. it was breathtaking absolutely yeah. breathtaking that that had been done because so i really felt like that like laser beak in some ways was the ultimate because i just remember the original g1 toy and it felt like that in so many ways you know because it was the same size and all of that but it was just like the perfect representation everything that we were saying earlier you know the whole kind of de- design philosophy it was right there to see it's just it's incredible like you you will hear people talk about the now and they go oh they're not this accurate or they're not that great or whatever but you're like that moment when those toys came out, like the magic of being able to turn those things into a tape mm-hmm. without there being like extraneous pieces. It's something even to this day, like you remember the QC issues is another thing, wasn't it? Like people frequently snap in the uh, little fins on laser beak stuff. Yep. Right. Just the idea that you could do that. It's yeah. But the little camera and stuff like yeah. that. And you're like, That's it, but camera. the fact that these things that existed again, it's like a, it was like a new peak had been reached. It was something you'd never saw coming that, they could mm-hmm. actually do this because we were so used to extra pieces and stuff like that. And you just assumed that the way it would be, and it did Rat it. But they... as well for me yeah. is, is one. It's right. just you know that that sound blaster release. I think was definitely a a big one for me because that was one where I was like, "Huh, masterpiece sound blaster!" Like, 
am I am I going to get this? What you know? And oh, it comes with Rat Bat. Well, you know, no, was, I, th- yeah. I think you'll find it was so masterpiece Rat Bat with free yeah. black sound wave. Was how <laughs> it, it definitely it. was. I think in a lot of people's eyes, they were like, oh, I have to buy another sound wave to get yeah. this Rat Bat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was. But a really then Sound Blaster was stunning, like really, yeah. really stunning. They really it's, went down. With this it. is the era when. The black repaint was really incredible in Masterpiece. Like we talked about MP10B quite a lot in the Black Convoy episode, but you know it was just spectacular, and it should yeah. it, it just ended up being so much nicer than it deserved to be for what it was. No trailer, Black Prime, just repaint the cab, but it was fantastic, really, really lovely. And I actually think Sound Blaster I prefer over Sound Wave mm. uh, in that line. Actually, I think it's uh, it's if you were just going to get one, I would get Sound Blaster. All day, every day. The little Rabak set's fantastic. Yeah, All those really sets is. are, though. I know we have better version, larger versions. Like, I have the um, the Master Managed Creations Ravage, which is like a full-size cassette. Oh, yeah, wow. It's fantastic. That's an amazing thing, yeah. yeah. But the fact that they turn to little micro-cassettes, I think that's still, like, yeah. an incredible feat that when people a lot of time go, oh, it's not as good for this or whatever, you like, but it does this. Yeah. And yeah, how yeah, yeah. It works it with Soundwave, which is, again, at yeah. the core of the Hasui era of Masterpiece, interplay with the different toys that yeah. are being released. Well, one thing that is interesting about Hasui is actually how often he, he breaks his own rules as well. And yeah. the cassettes is a good example of this, because actually, if you look at them, they're undersized in robot mode, you know, like Rumble, Frenzy, all those guys. They should be much larger, mm. um, not as large as... So then it's interesting because then you've got like the Ocular Max ones, which are way too large in robot right. mode, actually, because they also cheated that to get them as being actual cassette size, like cassette yeah. sets, cassette tape size. That's where so I have the Ravage like, from. I think that's what it is, isn't it? The Ocular Max one. Right. Which is a really lovely design, but just mm. so big, honestly. And it's it's like both companies were trying to achieve something different with the cassette size, you know, the alt mode size, and they went different ways with it. But Hasui broke the scale chart in that for for that decision, you know, because he wanted them to be micro cassette yes. size, wanted them to be the same size as G1 as well. And I think there was a stated mm-hmm. objective to have them work with the original G1 Soundwave toy, which is fun. I mean, it's great. And then you can have the cassettes work with MP Soundwave as well from G1, which is really cool. But it's not the only time he's done that because he did it with Magnus as well. But there's been a numerous times. I think actually... It's right in saying that the scale was slightly broken with the car bots as well because he wanted them to fit in the trailer. Mm. And, and actually, that was a slight scale break as well. So despite this being the era that we all talk about, scale charts and whatever else, actually doesn't really hold true. Like There's a nu- numerous times that he just broke the rules. Broke the yeah. rules to put play first. That Well, that's exactly yeah. it. And, and play has always sort of clearly been... Uh, I think with Magnus, the thing was that he wanted the... Firstly, he wanted the, the humans to be able to sit inside the cab. And then he wanted the cab to be the same size as MP10. And and that that was the rule breaker there. Because they can with MP10, the little human figures, the little multi-face human figures. It's the thing we'll... We haven't talked about it yet, isn't it? The little tiny humans that yeah, came into the slime. Melty faces, they also, yeah. yeah. But they also fit into the MP10 cab, don't they? They right do, at the yeah, start, yeah, yeah. right there. It all kind of stems back from MP10, really, yeah. some of the decisions that are made. But it's funny that even when you get to Magnus, you're still seeing the repercussions of that. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of people were unhappy that Magnus was so big and whatever else. I actually don't like it. The butt thing. Oh, man, I just can't <laughs> fathom how someone would allow that non-event of a butt flap to get in the way of the best masterpiece transformation that has ever existed. 
Probably one of the best transformations in the history of the line, MP Magnus. I can categorically say that Magnus, to this day, is, if not... if not my favourite masterpiece transformer, it's in the top three for yeah. sure. It's it's just mind-blowingly good. I, I really do think it's incredible. Beautifully realised toy. Yeah, it is. And I remember being a little freaked out at the bumper being red because it was a screen accurate thing, and just how little it mattered in hand. These tiny details. I mean, okay, the cab. Just the fact that the cab integrates into the whole thing it was yeah. it explodes and then reforms. Everything about that toy was magic. The arm transformation, even just the side skirts of the trailer. It's a, and I loved flipping around the wheels in the yeah. it, for the feet. And even though I tend to leave it as the the it's truck the wheels, yeah, because it looks like G one Magnus, and I really like that. But you can. That's the thing. That's, yes, that's what you makes can. It's the Choice if someone well. asks me what masterpiece should I buy, it's usually that one that I recommend because yeah. it's got everything. And also, it's the one I am most likely to rebuy of that era. And I'm surprised yeah. I've done it already because I keep looking at Delta Magnuses now. I think it's not far away. Maybe on Delta Magnus Day, eh? little <laughs> celebration. Check it out. Delta Magnus Day on social media is always a good laugh. Yeah, indeed. You can hashtag that one. But yeah, I, I just think it's incredible. Honestly, absolutely brilliant design. For me, it was uh, sort of realized by... You know, a friend of ours, uh, old TJ at, uh, at TFN, Teej. when she, uh, Teej, yeah, when she oh. got Masterpiece Magnus, mm. I remember we were sat with her as she opened it in the bar area and just her face, because uh, big Ultra Magnus fan anyway, but her face and the kind of look of delight as she opened it and just saw this thing in hand um, was <laughs> That's just That's also incredible. on social media if you want to check it out, her face. Is, is that I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. I think, yeah, her reaction to it. But it was, but it was like the ultimate kind of, uh, just that sort of childish delight that we all get when you see something that awesome in hand for the first time. Yeah. And uh, I remember we'd been bigging it up, but it absolutely lives up to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was packaged in robot mode actually it was which is one of the very few occasions that i can think of where you get the toy in robot mode in package and you're wowed by it and then going to vehicle mode is the is the magic yes because a lot of these toys can be tricky to compact back into vehicle mode but this going to vehicle mode was the magic. It really was. I agree with you, actually. It's probably one of the few toys that I can think of that I would say is almost better packaged in robot mode. You know, mm. I'm normally a stickler for, like, I well prefer them being in in vehicle mode and you kind of yeah. reveal the robot as you go. But this, just the way that the robot unfurls yeah. into that truck is so impressive yeah. that actually it's almost the better choice. And mm. there's something amazing about this toy is that because of his proportions of being ca- quite cartoony, he's not that poseable. No, that's really not isn't. what the toy is. But I think that's so much of the fun about the toy is not the posing, it's the transforming and everything else. And yeah. I really quite like that. It's almost, it's not a step backwards, but it's almost like going to somewhere else with it. It's like saying, mm-hmm. all right, we'll give you a cartoony one, but it's not going to be hyper poseable in a way, you know, that we are used to now. No. Transform this and play with this toy. Yeah. And Posability I love that on, about it. on Magnus never bothered me. I no, that's tell you. what I mean. Never it doesn't at me. all, does it? Yeah. yeah, it was all always thought it was good. I love his massive hands. His like <laughs> big chunky fingers. It, it just feels like an entirely perfect representation of the character from the film, who who yeah. wasn't that agile. Let's be fair in no. in the movie. Mm. Uh, I didn't even just, see Neil. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone <laughs> run. Yeah. We just saw him explode. 
Yeah. There's a feature that was missing. <laughs> yeah, that, that, they left that one out. Sadly. But he also, he also so. came with like a, the two human figures that are separate molds as well, is Dan, uh, Spike and Daniel. Mm-hmm. Whereas normally it's like this is Spike or Daniel, and it's the exact same toy, just different name. And it, again, here we've got slightly different versions of the ones. Yeah. Like I think a lot of people were disappointed that it wasn't a white prime, you know, with armor. And I remember there was all of this discussion about would it be a white MP10 with armor around it and a lot of because uh, yeah. i think hasui yeah. at one I point i really disagree I, I disagree as well i wouldn't have wanted that so much but no, I remember... i'm disagreeing with what you're saying in oh right some, well no actually not how dare you because i don't want to say you're wrong but rather i f- heard it differently i i love the fact that it is integrated and i think that was actually what people wanted they, they didn't want just a, an armor wrap around another mp10 mm-hmm. and yet i know a lot of people wanted a white mp10 myself included well yeah no that so of course yeah there were people like us that were very happy for it to be integrated and wanted it to be integrated but there were just as many that wanted it to be a white a, 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 a white prime in I, armor, I, I, like. I definitely remember that there was, there so was many people, a lot of people a lot of complaints but it, yeah it's for me i was so happy they did this because we'd never seen that before like an all-in-one transformation so it was the first time and it was really nice yeah, to see that. i agree i think what what did it was that hasui um, I think it was an interview with Hisui or something, or he shared a behind the scenes picture or something. Cause he was very good at doing that. Like he would always share mm-hmm. prototype pictures and things like that. I remember that there was something with uh, a very grainy small shot on his desk, if you like, of a mock-up of a masterpiece ultra magnet. Yeah, and it that. was, yeah. it was an MP 10, yeah, you know, in Optimus yeah, yeah. colors right. with a G one armor kind of sellotaped on it, yeah. basically. Um, of like what would it look like and people saw that and they were like he's going to do masterpiece magnus yeah. and and the the white prime in armor crowd really took that as a sign of like it's going to be a white mp10 with armor and there was feverish speculation about which way they were going to go i mean this was like it, it created yeah. a lot of discussion at the time and so then when the when the mold was finally unveiled and it was like confirmed to be an integrated yeah. thing people were perfect some, edition yeah, yeah, yeah. Some were bitterly disappointed. I Can you say. imagine a world in which MP22 doesn't exist? The entire franchise and hobby would be weaker for a lack of that toy. I agree. Go, go, just go back in time to then when we got this MP22. Just think before that, what was Ultra Magnus? Every time he came out of the toy, it was always a white Optimus Prime. Mm, yeah. It's again, it's here again where we get the cartoon style Ultra Magnus for this and now every Ultra Magnus is the armor and you know as we know him I guess it was the first the first integrated toy yeah. was it I don't know yeah. wasn't KFC Citizen Stack like that too that that no, came well, before it yeah but, that did yeah, come that before did it come yeah before. but I mean yeah. officially before this like it was classics Magnus was it and then every Optimus Prime that came out had a white or not everyone but most of them had a white version that was Ultra Magnus and it was only really when they did the masterpiece they moved beyond this and so now mm. we get we've had Siege Magnus WFC Magnus, all the other different, Earthrise Magnus, all these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you're right, talking about that butt flap, there was a point there for like a year where every page on like TFW, for example, on the forums was butt flap, butt flap, butt flap, Mm. butt flap. It was like all people talk about. Someone was complaining about it being the biggest letdown of Magnus the other day. I was like, well, if that's its (laughs) biggest letdown, that tells you everything about how much of a success that really (laughs) is. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's looking at that. But what's weird about that is if if you look at the roof as well, there are like the the lines across it where Mm. it obviously was, it must have been designed that way to fold in because you look at the way the lines go on the top, you're like, oh, there are, it, it looks like it's designed to fold, but it must have been cut yeah. at the end. 
that was that was one of the complaints people had about it was that mm. it looked like it should have been able to yeah. fold, and so therefore, why does it not? Um, it was like people complaining about Ironhide and saying, "Well, it should be able to do it this way, so why yeah. does it not?" And it's like, but it doesn't. So there's obviously a reason they're not going to not do it. It's yeah. not laziness or whatever the, the sort of implication is. So there is a reason for it, and I don't know. Sometimes holistically it's just not that big a deal is it and, and, and so it was with the butt flap and it came with the matrix chamber as well didn't it yeah oh man that's one of my i love i also love the fact that actually bizarrely that it doesn't come with a matrix yeah. i actually think that's yeah. the fact that it can hold a matrix but you have to get optimus or whatever to get the matrix i always thought was kind of fun yeah i still think the butt flap ultraman is one of the the silliest things in this fandom i've ever come across it just the only way that's a thing is if you pose him from the side. It's not even from the back because you wouldn't notice it because you fold it up and you wouldn't see it. It's yeah. Only yeah, if you yeah. have him from the side. So just but, but even then, it, it's one of those where I could spend years with that toy and play with it almost all the time and never once think about it. And yeah. then randomly someone online will just say butt flap and I'll be like transported back to that era of yeah, just yeah. like constant debate about this bloody thing uh and it just always felt like a non-problem yeah. to me tell me you don't own mp22 without telling me <laughs> you don't own yeah MP22. yeah 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 that's it because like a lot of those little perceived flaws it always felt like it was real obsession over a minute you know minute detail that is blown up in a photograph or whatever that you're looking at on a computer screen, zooming in on and really obsessing about. Whereas actually when you get these things in hand and you experience the kind of joy of transforming them and holding them and everything, you're not looking at those things. Do you think this is in a little part to what Mass was saying earlier about how they battle themselves into the corner with the name Masterpiece though? Because... When you say masterpiece, I assume I think from how long we've been in the fandom, people expect something different, don't they? So maybe when they say masterpiece and it's got a butt flap, people expect like the most perfect version of a toy. So maybe they expect too much. And because remember, M- masterpiece was not a Transformers thing first either. Other yeah. toy lines had masterpiece lines like Macross and stuff like that. So it was an expectation of an overall level of a standard of what they were going to meet. Maybe this is where these two things clash, as I wonder. Cause... Yeah, but Masterpiece is how they get you to buy into it. Yeah. So it's, you, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's, you've got to call it that to make people realise yeah. that it's the best version of it, but at the same time you bring with, with it all those expectations and potential disappointments. I would read so many nitpicks like this and I would think I have a different version of Masterpiece as to what other people, where I've seen them complain. The little complaints, very top minor things, I'm like, wow, these are just great toys. I'm so happy and I just enjoy them. I think it's important to also remember that there were many people for whom this period didn't represent what they wanted from Masterpiece. And I can picture people listening to us uh, go on about all the positives and almost feel as though their opinion and their their preferences for what this should have looked like are being discounted as just mere complaints. But it's worth saying that you know all the way through the Hasui era, there were detractors. It wasn't oh, yeah. just a case of there's a few voices here and there and we should remember it with rose tints. There were always complaints for every single release. There were a bunch of people who just didn't like the direction that it had gone and the decisions that were being made. No, there were a lot of people that felt like it was a watered down or pared down line based on what it had been. You know, as you, you said earlier about the lack of rubber tires and things like that it was a big deal. Yeah. But e- but even the kind of um, the the sort of downsizing as it was perceived as well, you know, that... 
um, you know, stuff from like MP1, I think was seen as being like an ultimate masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at MP1 and look at MP12 Lambor, they're not from the same line really, are they? <laughs> Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just that since then it's been quite consistent. So yeah, I, th- I do think you're right, Maz, when you said earlier that it is, the worst thing they did was have attached the name masterpiece. So it is it creates a line, doesn't it, where perhaps it's a different thing? Yeah, but some of them really did live up to it. And even though the Datsuns aren't my favorite ones, uh, because I, I really, I almost always got into a jam trying to put it back into a car. I don't remember many occasions where I just fluidly did it without thinking every time. Something would always cause me to have to take a step back. And separating that chest flap from the bonnet of the car was always a, a nightmare moment. And I don't want to say, but I almost feel like the Hasui era was also the era where these toys had one step that made you cringe that you were afraid this is going to break or I am going to damage it eventually. And there was always one thing that people would photograph and say, oh, look, that's stressed immediately. And with Magnus, yeah. it was one of the chest parts, you remember, that fold up. People would see stress oh, there marks. There was, wasn't there? Yeah, it, yeah. It was definitely the era for nitpicking that too. But I'm thinking of the Datsuns and how good they were overall as representations of Masterpiece and how many people point to Prowl and those as saying that's the pinnacle. That's what masterpiece is and should always be still plastic tires you know still no die cast really but it was how good that toy looked how well it accomplished car mode as well as robot mode and had the most banging head sculpt i think i've ever seen on a toy i mean how good was that masterpiece prowl head sculpt brilliant honestly i think i've said before if i was going to talk to someone about what the most perfect form of transformers were it would be the masterpiece datsuns because they are like they everything converges in the right place where the transformation, it's not simple, but it's not complex at the same time. It's very straightforward. And it has all of the details that you would think of of those characters from the cartoon, but also the toys. And they don't lean in one direction or the other either way. And they're still to- fun toys. It's, they have everything, I think. It's, they're that, that really rare mix of all of the features that you would want. And yeah, just wonderful toys at the same time. They're not overly collector toys, but they're not no. kids' toys either. Right. And I think the other thing that I really associate with the Hasui line is the photos where people would tell you you hadn't folded down MP sideswipes, little <laughs> vents on the top. Yeah, of it. all uh, too common, all too common. That's definitely one of the most missed transformation steps on any toy ever, I think. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I used to get that a lot as well. And of course, this is when we started getting multiple faces with toys as well, isn't it? This is when that really started to... Of course, you did have the flip mechanism for MP3, but I'm thinking of Magnus's faces. I'm thinking of the different faces you got with MP Bumblebee, especially its repaints. We could have the battle yeah, mask. Sure. Battle mask. Yeah. yeah, the battle mask. I think Magnus was where you started to get different expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But then Magnus, of course, was a bit of a hybrid release as well because uh, you know, famously, Hasui started that design but didn't finish it. And, uh, and I think the, the whole thing there, as I understand it, is that he got so far with it but then realized he could around about the butt area that... did he get to yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> it was friday yeah. that was that was kobayashi that came in and was like that was his second steps. post-it note was it it was on his yeah, yeah, yeah. magnus's <laughs> butt yeah. yeah exactly yeah that was all it was um but yeah no uh hasiri had come in uh, started the design and realized that he couldn't kind of perfect it i think in the way that he wanted and then they brought in kobayashi to kind of you know 
essentially bring the design to its conclusion, if you like. So there are elements of that where you can clearly see it's Hasui influenced, and there are elements that are very definitely Kobayashi in mm. uh, in, in the kind of impetus, if you like. And I think the multiple faces is a Kobayashi thing, if right. I had to 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 yeah. guess it. But yeah, just to circle back to that, just very briefly. Is those? Uh, do you remember how annoying those Amazon exclusive parts were to get? Like you had the power yeah. drivers for Sideswipe, which were going for a fortune at one point, and you had the yeah, yeah. Blue Launches. Streak as the one with the missiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is again where they started compacting in. Because we had it with Universe. Ask you know, for Bumblebee was Amazon exclusive yeah. too, and the lunchbox <laughs> for Wheeljack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a little <laughs> lunchbox, wasn't it? Yeah, a little lunchbox for Grip to send Grimlock off with. Yeah. Which one was it? Where uh, was it? Prowl's missile launchers, where they came with what? One was. came with yeah, one of the toys, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? And one came with something else. You had to do it somewhere. Yeah, I finally got those those uh, Prowl missile launchers not so long ago, like a year or so ago. Um, I, I got something off someone and uh, one seller, and they just threw them in as like a little freebie. They were like, "Oh, here you go." And I thought, kind of how ironic of like really? how de- how desirable they were at the time, yeah. and now they're just like, yeah. Whatevs, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just how things change, isn't it? It's all about the hype around the line at the time because it was fire. It, it really was. It really was. So we've spoken a lot about this era of toys tonight, but if you guys were going to give somebody a toy from this era and say, this is the best example of what Transformers Masterpiece was in this time, what would you give somebody? It's a real tough one because I suppose I'd be tempted to say Magnus because that's probably my favourite of the era. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't know if, in some ways, it might have to be the Lambor mold. Do you know what I mean? It's just a sort of pure, like, proof of concept of, like, Mm. it still stacks up today, I think, in terms of it looks great in both modes, super fun to transform. What what's to go wrong with it, really? Do you know what I mean? It, it might have to be that. Oh yeah, he's makes some very good points. Magnus is usually the one I recommend to people because it's chunky. There's a lot to it. It's super fun to transform and it's got presence but i'm not sure it is actually that representative of all the others uh that came in this era it's just probably the best i think i would i don't know i mean who would recommend a toy that's most representative as something to buy i think i'd recommend it as something to check out but for buy i'd almost always say magnus i also think bumblebee is great because yeah Bumblebee is a wonderful toy to transform. It's probably the best mix of fiddle former, accuracy, and masterpiece in the entire line, even post. And it's right there in the middle of it. Great looking. Just You'll just transform it back and forth nonstop because you'll just love it so much. And it's super poseable as well. So I think that's actually the one that I would say, hey, it's a great entry point. This is You can decide from this toy whether you are happy with all of these excellent toy aspects, but also it not being 100% dead ringer for the screen version, especially considering what's come since. But if you're happy with a toy that's great fun to handle, looks 85% of the way there to screen accuracy, then you will love the Hasui era of Masterpiece. It's definitely a toy that the transformation is so fantastic that you get sorted into that. Like I think that's still my favorite movie toy because that transformation mm-hmm. is so much fun, which carried over to the Netflix one they did quite recently. It's very similar in form. Whereas for me, I think it would be the Datsuns, because I would say like, I think the G1 Datsuns are like the most perfect representation of a Transformer. And in Masterpiece terms, I think they're the same, because it's the way the arms transform. It's not the same as G1, but it's very similar. You pull them out from the front, you twist the waist, and it just feels like that same sort of step, but evolved. And I always think of what that's what Masterpiece is to me, is particularly this era, is G1 evolved. 
it takes all the bits I loved about that toy line and turns it into something I love as a much older person. And so, yeah, for me, it would be one of, any one of the Datsuns because they're all the same like that. But they're not overly complex toys to transform. They're just really fun toys, and all of them look fantastic. I knew you were going to say that. I think the only thing that stops me picking the Datsuns is that many, many times I'd compacted the legs and realized I had to go back and recompact because <laughs> one part hadn't gone yeah. in right. But most of the other ones of the era, I don't associate any frustration with. And there's a lot of frustration for me in generally the third party aspect and more newer masterpiece toys that um, I don't feel when I think of the Hasui era. Like transforming MP Soundwave, yeah. we haven't really talked about that, but that's as perfect as you want an MP Soundwave transformation yeah. to be, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's a leap from here. I think this is the thing with the Hasui era of masterpiece. We move on into a different place, I think, where things yeah. become a little bit more where they have to try and do things to look like things as well, you know, and they become more complex in a way where maybe they weren't intended to hear where at this point they're still trying to realise a very specific form. Mm. You know what I mean? They're very fun to transform still. Yeah. Still are toys, I think, yeah. at the core. I think uh, this era personifies fever pitch for, you mm. know, just yeah. fierce heat of collector desire for Masterpiece more than any other era of Masterpiece. It's this era that it was really blazing, yeah. I think. It's what generations become now, hasn't it? It's like the chatter when you look at it now, like on Twitter and TF, all these places now. It's what reminds me of masterpiece. It's what people were like waiting, like hanging mm. on to see what comes next. And, and Vinyl Tech, at, yeah. at its peak, was was this kind of fever pitch. That's what the Hesui era is to me. Anyway, so quite a lot of chatter about old masterpiece hasui years but one thing we've not really talked about is the uh is the repaints isn't it all the kind of diaclone uh homages especially and you know you mentioned uh generations there and the fact that it's such a commonplace thing but actually all that also spins out from this era i think yep. very strongly um i think we we're just sort of saying uh you know in the, in the break there that uh, probably what we'll do is spin that off into a separate mini-sode actually for yeah. our patreon content and uh you know those of you behind the paywall can can check out that discussion because i really feel like that as a focused thing deserves to have its own kind of separate section just because there are some absolutely incredible toys i mean tiger track yeah blue blue streak the yeah, greatest exactly. masterpiece so, of them so all we got a masterpiece exhaust right yeah. it got a name and the furrow that came with it yeah indeed indeed it'll be a juicy one yeah, it will be really juicy. I think it'll be great. So we're definitely going to spin that discussion off. But uh, that that reminds me to say about Patreon, doesn't it, Maz? Yes. Now, if you're interested in our minisodes, but you haven't signed up to Patreon as a Sixos Butler, we now have two free minisodes that you can check out. Originally, we had the minisode five, the cassette combiners, but we've also got the Death of Optimus Prime minisode. And that is available. Check out our social media. It's there. We've advertised it. You you don't have to sign up to Patreon. It's just right there. You can get the full mini-sode. And it's one of our favorites. And even though as a toy-centric listener, you may not think there's anything there for you, believe me, it is absolutely worth a listen. And it is very representative of uh, how in-depth we can take virtually anything to do with, with the Transformers topic or toy topic and make it worth a listen. So check out those links for our free Patreon minisodes that are available to everyone currently. And you can find our Patreon at uh, patreon.com forward slash triple takeover where you can sign up at a multitude of levels, whether it's just to say thank you, to get episodes early, uh, to vote in polls for upcoming episodes, 
to submit a question that we answer on the pod and obviously to commission the exclusive minisodes, which you can get to free now. And our most recent minisode was the MicroMaster bases and stations. Oh yeah, that stations bit in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Things I learned today <laughs> is, the, is the theme <laughs> of that episode. And yeah, we are going to do a little bit of a rejig of our tiers in the very near future now that we're all settled and back. Uh, but please do check out our Patreon. There is so much content there. There's 25 minisodes. That's so wow. much content that you can get there. So just sign up. It's £10 a month currently. If you like what we're doing and you sign up, pretty much means that we can offer even more. So if you're a fan of our content, you want to hear more, that is absolutely the natural next step for you. And speaking of Patreon questions, uh, which you can submit at Rats and Cats and Sixos Butler level. So if you've been thinking about submitting a question, please do so. We've got something planned for those questions. But we do have a question from Peter Hammerson, who asked, if for some reason you were only able to make space to display five Transformers each, which five from your collections would you choose? This is a really tough one for all of us because we own cack loads of Transformers. <laughs> and I think something to keep in mind here is that this doesn't mean that this is your five forever. I mean, if you'd asked me last week, I would have given you a different answer. You ask me next week, I'll give you a different answer. I know for me, I love playing with my Transformers. So the ones I have on display and at hand, most of the time are ones that I really enjoy picking up and playing with. So I've gone for G1 Jetfire also because it's just one of the best-looking toys ever, and how could you not have that in front of your eyes? G1 reissue God Jinrai, one of the very best toys this line has ever produced. Epic play value, great-looking presence as well. Car Robots JRX, love trains, love that toy, one of the best-looking things ever. I've gone for the Crystal Hot Rodimus because it's both, in my opinion, the best G1 mold and the best-looking version of it. And by the same logic, reissue Shining Magnus because Ultra Magnus is fantastic and that yellow version of it is just utterly gorgeous. Nice. Some good ones. Liam? Mine are pretty boring. See, I also would have gone with Power Structures Prime slash Jim Rai because I think that's like the, the greatest Transformers toy. But also yeah, we have G1 Point Blank. It's a great toy. Uh, Computron. Technically, it's five toys, but... Oh, I see uh, what you're doing there. Uh, we're, get, we're getting ten. Masterpiece Grimlock because I still... I, I think this is a very underappreciated masterpiece toy. But also the Donald Duck with the skateboard transformer. I don't even remember the Disney crossover one because it's a Donald Duck wearing sunglasses with a Donald Duck in his hair and a skateboard. And I think that's quite a fun thing. I would <laughs> that's such a Liam answer. Wow. Brilliant. Not, Did not expect never that. Never would have guessed that one. But it, it's such a weird toy. So I must admit, when this question was posed, I was a bit like, oh my God, how am I going to answer that? And then... I've realised what the ultimate answer is. So I've cracked this, absolutely cracked this question. So I would choose Wolf of Cybertron, Unicron, and four other Transformers of sort of Titan class or comparable size, right? Like big things, like whatever it is, Black Zarek, all of those, like like real massive things. Fort Max, for example, that kind of stuff. And just get basically four massive Titans and, and Unicron. And... and so if you're only making space for five Transformers, then those five would be a bigger space, ultimately, on a shelf or whatever. Like if you had to make space and you can only keep five, then you're getting a big space with those. Then you can sell those for good money, like if it was you know Metroplex or whatever, I don't know, and then buy absolutely loads more Transformers to fill that space. That's a very 6-0 answer. A 6-0 corp yeah. answer. <laughs> 
<laughs> I thought there was a good logic to that, no? He's found a guy on eBay who's going to sell him all of the toys he wants. Who lives up a country lane and has a really nice dad. Well, actually, that was where I got my Brave Max from, but uh, <laughs> now that you mention it. But uh, no, okay, serious answer. I mean, I'd probably say Power Master Optimus Prime or, or Jinrai, like like you guys. I think that's a favorite amongst all of us. Although I'd yeah. probably say the Fire Guts version. I might be tempted to say, I was looking around, and I might be tempted to say G1 Optimus Prime, you know, mm-hmm. as well, like the original 1984 toy. I just think it's so nice. Um, probably Hot Rod as well would rank up there. But then, I don't know, Masterpiece Ultra Magnus, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be a good one for me. The only reason uh, I didn't say it is because I don't own it anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I just think it's so nice. But then some random stuff as well, like G1 Fort Max would be really hard to say goodbye to. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love it so much. And G1 Scorponok as well, in a way. But so. remember, you wouldn't be saying goodbye to them. It's just the ones you'd have on display if you could only display five. So right, you'd always go okay. and fish them out of the storage room. I think I'd have to have G1 Fort Max on display. Mm. Just because it's. I just look at it and smile every time. Also, another benefit is that you get a shout-out on the show. So a massive thank you to Nick, Danny Roberts, Andy, Preston, Chris, Spiderfather, Adam Shoemaker, Matt, Stephen Perkins, Bad Saturday, Justin Massaro, Dave Dalrymple, Absurd, Geo Kaiser, Yusufa, John Pearl, Cliff Saras, Choiceff, Anthony Cars, Alec Mir, Captain R.A., Phil G., Jacques Belletier, Rotostorm, Stuart Webb, Amar, Laserbeak, Puma the Hunter, Vegemite Mike, Peter Hammerson, Shenry, Chris Norris, Jesse Moreno, Jackson Arwood, Yip, MKTronic, Nexus, Jim Owen, Aaron Swoboda, TF Starfire, Billigator, Andy Gold, Jake Hoberg, Simon Elvin, Josh Uls, David Nabby, Misha Kidd, Michael Cagle, Cracktastic Plastic, Dan Vestater, Jeffrey Freig, Nice Sideburns Andy, Chuck Pierce, Inbound Lee, John Wood, Kyla Wilmoth, Tim Banerjee, Campbell, Harold the Barrel, and newly added Ben Lewis, Shinsei, Lucas Henkel, and of course the Mapes Brothers, who you might recognise. What a list. What a list. This is my favourite part of every episode. It's like, you remember Bad Influence where they used to like make you record at the end so you could pause it and get the cheats for the games and stuff. It's like, <laughs> like, like that bit. It was really fast. Like. Well, we also have a sponsor for the evening. That is tfsource.com. Check them out for all your Transformers and third-party needs. Thank you as ever. And going back into my fun facts, we still have the, <laughs> <laughs> the Red Bull store. If you would like t-shirts, leggings, all sorts of triple together branded paraphernalia, you can find it at Rebelbull.com forward slash people forward slash triple takeover forward slash explore. And speaking of merch, we are on a t shirt, aren't we, dudes? Yeah, pre order your TF Nation 2022 t shirt and you'll see the triple takeover logo on there. That's very exciting. I can't believe that. It's uh, absolutely made up to see that logo on there. This is how Bon Jovi must feel all of the time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Literally just like this. Yeah. Okay, and if you'd like to feature on socials about this episode, talk, tell us about your favourite masterpiece toy from the Sui era, or if you think we've missed anything, let us know. You can find us on Facebook at Triple Takeover, or one word, or at Triple Underscore Takeover on Instagram and Twitter. Guys, where can they find you? I am at TF Square One on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I am at Six OTF on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon. And I'm at Toybox Box anywhere there's an app. That's going to bring this episode to a more satisfying close than MP10's trailer. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Spin.
Lost my life living in a robot paradise.